very exciting this month doing uh, two episodes a week this month. And I'm seeing the results of all you guys checking it out and new people discovering the show. And uh, it's been cool. You and I have had some uh, some extra time to do it and and make this work. Uh, before we get into everything, uh, just want to let you guys know. I mean, if, at this point you haven't checked out Ned, you got it. Yeah, that is great. Uh, we've been using it for a while now, and CBD has been extremely popular in the past year. And as the market becomes saturated, it becomes more and more difficult to navigate and choose the right company and product. That's where Ned comes in. They produce the highest quality CBD extracted from the finest organic hemp plants from a small homestead in the bountiful farmland of Paonia, Colorado. Ned is a wellness brand offering science-backed and nature-based solutions that offer an alternative to prescription and over-the-counter drugs. No isolates, no synthetic ingredients, full transparency. Ned shares third-party lab reports, who farms the products, their extraction process, all right there on the site. Their full-spectrum hemp oil only contains their CBD extract and non-GMO MCT oil. That's it. The taste is clean and pure. Some of the benefits we've spoke about many times, Chris. Uh, cannabinoids have a wide range of benefits and regulate nearly every biological system in the human body. So some of those are sleep aid, anti-inflammatory, natural pain reliever, remedy for post-traumatic stress and depression, rich source of antioxidants, and in your case, a, uh, a source of helping your uh, ul- oh, colitis. Am I going to say it right? Yeah, you are. You are. You can, and it, it encompasses under the umbrella of inflammatory bowel disease, which is such a sexy, those are sexy words, aren't they? <laughs> inflammatory bowel. But that, you know, that's, that's uh, also colitis, Crohn's disease, that's celiac disease, all that falls under there. And um, it does help. Yeah, it's helped immensely, you know, with with uh, helping me regulate, uh, regulate my IBD, my ulcerative colitis, which is it was for those that have it. No, then that's a, it's hard to have IBD and live a normal life because you never know when you're going to be running to the bathroom. And, you know, you never know where you're going to be at, where you may have to be. And it's it's an awful way. I know it sounds funny and you laugh, but it because it, it is silly. You know, whenever we talk about poop, it is silly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's why you say poop. But it is a real problem if you have a, if it has a serious uh, effects of IBD or colitis or Crohn's. And this has really helped it out. And it's it's helped me be healthier because also I can absorb nutrients better. Um, so yeah, definitely trick if you have that. And what we don't talk about a whole bunch, but I know I've been seeing the great body effects butter. of it is body butter. And I actually have had some testimonials from people that have, I've recommended it to them. Um, a gentleman in Dallas, he, he called me, said, my wife's having issues with her, with her hands, arthritic hands, and she can't even make fists anymore. He called me two days ago and said, my wife can make a full fist now because wow. arthritis is not bothering her. The body butter has worked so and i know it works because i use it on my back i use it on my sore muscles i i basically thrown away all the analgesics i have and just use that body butter and yeah so if, if you don't want to use a cbd if you if you don't yeah i'm really not into that but you are active and you need something to help with inflammation or muscle soreness the body butter is awesome and it works better than anything i've ever used before that includes icy hot um Asper cream, all that other stuff out there, and testimonials from other people that's working for them too, and for uh, for arthritis. So definitely, de- de- a lot of positives from Ned's site, not just the CBD oil. So check it out and 
course so i'm gonna please ian here make sure you use the code battle line when you check out so you get that you get that 15 percent discount which hey man it, it saves money saving money is a good thing it's not like that's a bad thing yeah so uh i'm sure the founders rhett and adrian will be really happy to hear that if you guys are listening and and, and i should tell them if they're listening i gotta check out the new uh, immunity blend on the website really smart yeah. idea for them to put that out because right now everybody <laughs> is in the market for what's going to boost their immune system with everything going on. So I'm, I'm really excited they put that out. Haven't tried it yet. Maybe if the guys could send me some, I will. Um, but that's the immunity blend. Limited release on the website. Uh, Ned will not get you high. It's a full-spectrum hemp, uh, which is a non-psychotropic. Ned products contain a minuscule amount of THC, less than 0.3% as allowed by law. If you guys want to check out Ned and try CBD or body butter or their immunity blend, any of that stuff, we have a special offer for the Battleline audience. Go to helloned.com slash Battleline or enter Battleline at checkout for 15% off your first order plus free shipping. That's H-E-L-L-O-N-E-D.com slash Battleline to get 15% off your first order plus free shipping. HelloNed.com slash Battleline. Thank you, Ned. Uh, with that, Jimmy Allen coming on. Let's hit it. On the microphones, pure and uncensored American straight talk. Never quit. You're locked and loaded with Chris Peranto and Ian Scotto. This, this is this. the Battle Line Podcast. Which is on. Motherfucker, I'm going to shoot you in the face. Switch is on Battleline podcast. And uh, yeah, as I said earlier during uh, our reads, we've been doing two shows a week this month, which has been going really well, really raised our visibility up. And I, I have to definitely mention um, when people hear this episode, which is going up on Friday, they will be gearing up for Memorial Day. Uh, I just put up a post. Uh, I put up a tweet. Friend of ours, who a uh, friend of mine who have had on and, and will definitely have on at some time, Renee Nickel, wrote a great piece for Fox News about her brother who passed away. Uh, rest in peace, uh, Sergeant, uh, United States Marine Corps Major Samuel Griffith. I mean, there's countless guys that you know, a few guys that I know. And uh, yeah, this is a this is an interesting Memorial Day. No air show, at least here in New York. Uh, the beaches are opening up, except for New York City, because de Blasio, you know, has to be Bill de Blasio. But I don't live in New York City. I live on Long Island. So, yeah, beaches will be open. And, hey, guys, for all you veterans out there, um, and this is a pet peeve of mine, if a civilian says Happy Memorial Day, don't get all bent out of shape. Don't just – they don't know better. They, they're saying it <laughs> as a – I love that Batman picture. It's like that Batman meme or whatever oh, yeah. where exactly it says, Robin. it says, yes, it says, oh, I can't believe it said happy Memorial Day. And you have Batman slapping Robin saying they just don't understand. Shut the hell up. They mean well. And that's why I'm like, just 
get over it, relax. Don't get all bent out of shape because somebody says happy Memorial Day. They, it, it, the intent to me, it's always, what do they mean by? Yeah, they're saying it because they thank you for your service. If they can't say that and say happy Memorial Day, that's what they're getting at. Don't take it as a slight. So that is my two cents on Memorial Day because when somebody says it to me, I don't look at them and go, oh, you asshole. What do you mean happy? I lost friends. Arr, barr, barr. Yeah, I, I have two guys. I've been there. Um, but I also look at like, you know what? It just made it. It's, it's a common error if you haven't served. It is. It's an error. I say thank you for saying that. I appreciate it because I know what the meaning is behind it. And, and the meaning is positive and it's good. So relax, all you veterans out there. If you hear that, don't get all bent out of shape. Maybe correct them politely. All right. Not drill sergeant style. <laughs> politely so they so they understand. And but then drive on and and uh, don't spend too much time on it because it is. It's, it's a hard day for those that have lost lost one lost a brothers in combat lost lost loved ones in combat lost loved ones in the service um but it, it should be like anything it should be a time for for reflection and and think of the good things that that took place believe me i every day i i remember uh, specific I, I remember still every day seeing tyrone get blown up every day this goes through my head every day i see it the flash of light the mortar hitting shooting over his head and all of a sudden just boom just it's just he's gone and i bub was standing right next to him you know like and but when somebody says happy Memorial Day to me, it doesn't. Oh, you son of a bitch! What are you disrespecting? Tyrone? No, I didn't know what they're saying. They're saying you know, thank you for your service, and we we understand your loss. So that's my two cents there. That are, there's me on my soapbox, the Tano Tano rant right there. Yeah, I, you know what? And I guess I, I could add to that. Uh, I remember a while back, Jack Murphy uh, wrote a really good piece about how it's okay to enjoy a hot dog and hamburgers and some beers on Memorial Day, and you don't need to feel guilty about that. It's, you know, it's it's okay to enjoy the holiday and still remember those guys. Well, yeah, because that's what that's what they'd want you to do. That's what I'd want you to do. Um, yeah, I'd want Jack. Don't don't sit there and stew and be at the head down. Go go have a hot dog go have go you can't watch baseball anymore right now <laughs> but but go you know go go have fun go enjoy the time with somebody that you want to enjoy time with if you want to spend a little bit of time for yourself you know fine but don't do all day we end up sulking because then that becomes that becomes negative that becomes toxic but yeah, yeah. I, I i think i said this i agreed with jack or maybe on the when i actually had twitter i agreed and i even added it in there jack and i, I remember because i saw that with jack and i felt the same way so i backed him up because i think some guys were oh you're what the hell you soft rep son of a bitch what are you because i think that's what he was with sovereign and like no he's right dude yeah go i'm not gonna cry cry over it because i wouldn't want people to cry over me enjoy go have a hot dog have a beer and and be with friends be a family if you have to have some time to yourself take that little time to yourself i get that i do it too but don't spend all day you know pouring out your 40 on the side of the road remembering <laughs> remember your homies that you lost all day okay like don't, do, <laughs> don't do that you don't, don't think i ain't a little bit i got a little gangster in me a teeny bit i, I grew up a little a few gangsters here and there and that's also when the 40 ounces were two bucks because that's all we could afford saint eyed and old english huh nice. and, and and mickey's big mouth remember that I I have had Sainites in Old English when I, when I was a younger. You haven't had Mickey's man. Big Mouth? Oh, I don't man. think I ever did, man. I and it's been so long. So I I just don't drink at all anymore, you know. And I'm not, you know, a I'm sober now guy. The last time I had a drink was my friend's wedding, like 
in August. I just don't really drink uh, anymore. Well, I don't. Um, I don't say I drink Saint Hydra Old English right now, dude. That was back <laughs> when I funny. couldn't afford anything else. Back in college, high school. And, uh, oh wait, wait, no, wait, wait. I was uh, no, not high school. I I was underage. Wink, wink. I oh, couldn't shit. do that. Oh shit! But um, back in college, and yeah, when it's all two bucks, man, two bucks gets you drunk, man. Forty. That's the only time, hours. by the way. The only uh time I've ever been arrested underage drinking. I'm me such too. A badass. <laughs> me too. Me too. Actually, and I missed my court date, so I was arrested again. Uh, but oh, man. in my defense, the damn, the dumbass, the dumbass sheriff put my court date on a Sunday, so I did show up for court, but it was closed. But then I was arrested during football practice because I had missed my court date. That I had to go to a judge, and the judge said, "Sheriff, you're an idiot." He was here. This case is dismissed. So nice. I was never sure. But it was. It was on a Sunday. Like, knucklehead. I ain't my fault. Hey, it's, it's I, funny. Oh, sorry. Ahead. What were you saying? No, no, no. no, no I, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say it's funny that you mentioned uh, the baseball season, man, because people are still trying to figure out what's going on with that. I've been listening to, uh, like, Mike Francesa here in New York, who's, like, the big New York uh, sports talk guy. He's a big Yankees guy. He's, there's, I love Yankees. Yeah. I'm still, Yankees are huge. My favorite team ever. I didn't even I, know that. I didn't even know no, that. No, I love the Yankees, dude. Because to me, they symbolized, they symbolized with Steinbrenner especially, because he had the rules, the regulations. You have to, to me, that was, that symbolized the barrack red. That symbolized the, the strength of just a, a good ball club that didn't have a lot of loose cannons. And they were always good. And they were always professional. And then you had Mariano Rivera and, Derek Jeter, who were the consummate, yeah, the consummate professionals. So, um, yeah, you know, I, I'm New York. The New York Yankees are by far my all-time favorite team in any sport. And, and I did uh, not no, know I, that. You know, I'm a Mets guy. Oh no, you, uh, you know what? I can't talk <laughs> to Mets. Uh, it's still better being a Red Sox fan. So we're good. yeah. If you, if you live on <laughs> Long Island or Queens, you're kind of typically Mets. Um, but no, the point I was going to make though. So Mike's been talking about it a lot. Who everybody in New York knows him, but uh. Yeah, what he's been saying is kind of interesting because they are trying to bring back baseball, whether it's with no fans or it's some type of limited thing, just that it's on TV. And Mike is talking about how a lot of these players are saying, oh, I'm going to have to take a pay cut. And when you do the math after uh, taxes, I'm only going to make two million dollars. It's not oh, worth the risk of going out there. And Mike is like messaging wise, that is such a bad message to send when you got guys yeah. making thirty, forty thousand dollars a year can't work their job, struggling to find whatever is coming next. And you're saying, I'm not going to take the risk because it's, I'm taking a pay cut and I'm only, only making $2 million. I know. Isn't that a bunch of bullshit? I say don't watch the news, but I grew up with sports. I grew up in athletics. For those of y'all have listened to me, you know, I, I, I played football all the way through college. That's so how I paid for it. Dad was a coach with the NCAA Division One National Championship, Brigham Young University. When they won the National Championship, he was the linebacker coach there. I, I am a huge, huge sports, so I still watch ESPN from time to time. And, Which, by the uh, way, saw, can I just throw in there? ESPN, it's been so weird because there's no live sports to talk about. I know. I know. So it's just, I'll watch the ticker, I'll watch, but they'll have the, I, I love the 30 on, is it 30 for 30? Where yes. they do the, oh, I love those. Did you see the Michael Jordan one? Yes. That's, well, that's they're all they're all well done. Whether you, even the Dennis Rodman one was freaking great. Even the Terrell Owens one was was freaking great. And they're all great. And then the NFL channel has similar. They're called NFL Stories or NFL, and they do something similar. But those are those are neat, especially if you grew up around athletics like I did. I grew up around all sorts of sports and, and played them. And you know, I 
God bless my dad. I'm glad I was, was able to be in that atmosphere with Lavelle Edwards and Jim McMahon and Steve Young. You know, I grew up around playing catch with Steve McMahon when he was a backup for Jim McMahon. I mean, uh, for Steve Young when he was a backup for Jim McMahon. How, who can say that? And I, I didn't know he'd come up for Thanksgiving dinner to the house because he couldn't go back that. to the East Coast. <laughs> but you know, what I see that brother is you're going to see guys now, because I, I don't think they're ever going to get paid what they did before because you, you're just not going to have the, the crowds. You're not going to have the sponsorships. Maybe they'll figure something out, you know, the, 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 the commercials, the marketing, but so you're going to find out what guys really play because they love the game and what guys were playing because they love the money. And for guys that love the game, Hey man, guess just guess what? Now you're just like the rest of us that do our jobs because we love our jobs. We don't do it because. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to sixty percent on hotels. So whether it's cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin, or Becky's bachelorette bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. We love the exposure and the notoriety and the money. Um, and they're still going to get a great. And they're still going to get, get a great payday. But <laughs> and know. and by the way, for those listening, because I know some the attitude of some people is going to be like, ah, who cares? There's no baseball. These guys are overpaid already. Keep in mind, though, um, you know, like there's guys I went to college with. Good friend of mine now works for the MLB works uh you know in the radio division there and the thing is if he if there's no baseball season he's likely out of a job so not only are these guys kind of being selfish by saying we're not going to play for that they're probably going to lose thousands of jobs for middle class people who do things for the MLB whether it's um you know working for the television I would say concession stands but I don't know if that's going to happen but working for the television division or the radio division um, those guys will probably be out of a job. They, I don't think they'll be able to keep them on payroll for an entire season of nothing happening. No, I, I, they won't. But <clears throat> again, you're not going to be. You're going to see who, who, what players, what those guys who actually cares and cares more about the game. And which, when I say the game, that's what I'm talking about too. Not just the game itself, but everything else that revolves around the game. My my father was NCAA rules committee for the umpires at the College World Series. You don't realize the levels of of things that come down from the actual game itself where you're exactly right. And there's other jobs, you know, that that apply to the just the game, which you have rule you have rules committees, you have, you know, the player of course you've got um, you've got the the, uh, the cameramen now, and then you've got the, the commentators, and not just the big ones you see on TV, but even the smaller ones from the radios. Oh yeah. And then you, you, you know you've got you all, and I can't even. I mean, I don't even know all the layers of it. But if there's but it's a no big game, it's a big business is what it, it boils is. down to, and and yeah, I mean gonna, it's going to be in the players' hands to say, <laughs> all right, I'm going to do the right thing, going to take a pay cut. Uh, I understand that. You know, it's the same thing Mike Frances has been talking about. The, the the right message to send out there would be America needs this right now. Um, so I'm, you know, I'm willing to do whatever it takes. They're obviously still going to get paid. It's not like they're volunteering to play. Um, but yeah, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to push it as hard as I can and and get whatever you know we're able to get because I know that the you know they're going to lose out of money. It, you know, the other argument. It's funny because I've talked to friends and they're like, yeah, but they have a contract for a certain amount of money. But this is pretty. 
extraordinary circumstances <laughs> we're living under. So. Yeah, you can't what you can't plan for for this within a contract. And and you know, I'll speak as a veteran, speak as a from my experiences. I mean, we ain't making millions a year either, and we're out there risking our lives. Or at least I was. There's guys out there doing it now. Uh, from the from the military side and they're not going to make even what you were going to make getting your pay cut so i'll spot and people are rolling their eyes oh shit it's not the same thing well yeah it is it, it is you, you you're talking about going out there and being injured i'm not gonna i'm not gonna risk it for two million we'll talk to that e3 that's out there risking it in iraq right now for maybe thirty thousand a year maybe <laughs> so no bullshit suck it up there pro players go do your job go play play for make your millions instead of your tens of millions <laughs> and 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 really and it will help and what sports does too and it helps even overseas why do we stay up till two in the morning to watch a football game that we don't even care about the teams it's because <laughs> it reminds us how great this country is you don't i think they see it at that aspect they don't see how you are a role model but you also that's america that is americana baseball you know, football, NFL football, NBA basketball, college, you know, colleges are different or whatever the NCAA is going to decide. They still need to play too, but that's going to be an NCAA decision. That's not a player decision. Um, and, but it is, it's, 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 it's what brings us together. It's, it's just something that's, that we, that's why I hate when you bring politics into sports because politics is where, where I mean, uh, sports is where you can bring different political ideologies into a, a stadium and who gives a shit yeah if you're a democrat or you're a republican and you like the packers and you got a, another democrat republican that like the giants guess what the democrat and the republicans aren't going to be butting up together it's going to be the packers versus the giants and it, it does it brings people together it brings and you, it's fun and, and as me if you're especially if you grew up around it as a kid you remember those fun times you had with your family, with my dad. I, I love watching Monday Night Football. Even when I don't know the teams, even when I'm in my house by myself, because it reminds me of those times when I was with my dad watching Howard Cosell and who was and 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 uh, Gifford, um, Danny Don. Was it what was Don? It was I got I can't remember his name. You're the football uh, Danny, guy, so yeah, but yeah, Danny. But you're, you're reminded watching Monday Night Football on ABC TV when that's all you had were the analog channels, and that's what you did as a family. So when I watch Monday Night Football now, my dad's not there right next to me, but he is in my head. He, I'm remembering him as a little kid, me sitting him, him and I were there watching Monday Night Football. Watching Roger Staubach, watching you, watching Tony Dorsett break off a 99-yard run against the Minnesota Vikings. I mean, yeah, that, players, you got to realize that's that's what you're about. Not the tens of millions of dollars, not the flash, not the cash, not the. That's your role model. That's your legacy right there, and and that's what brings America together. Not the politics, not the kneeling. And we had Nate Boyer. That doesn't help for shit bring america together they're just playing and being on a team and having america come together on sundays and monday nights or baseball season you know during basically especially during the pennant chases watching the yankees and the red sox games that is iconic doesn't matter how good they are either i mean it doesn't make a difference or the mets who's your who's your mets who's the mets main is it the dodgers now is that the same? Who's their main rival? Is not, or even I feel the, like I, I feel like there's always been a thing between the Mets and the Phillies, uh, Phillies and also yeah, 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 usually yeah. the Phillies. And the also, Phillies. you know what it is? It's easy to hate the Phillies because I can tell you this, man. I might have a story to even bring up involving this when we have Jimmy on. But uh, living in Philly for a year, and if you're a Philadelphian listening, you know I'm right. 
<laughs> Philadelphia fans are the biggest assholes. Like they, <laughs> they they really are. They are just dicks. It's not everyone in Philly. I lived there for a year, but like you know, every now and again, you'll hear a story that outside of like Gino's cheesesteaks in Philadelphia, oh, yeah. that that's some like I remember. I remember this story specifically. Undercover uh, NYPD officer in a Rangers jersey at uh, Gino's cheesesteaks in Philly got the crap beat out of him just for wearing a Rangers jersey. You don't typically hear those stories out of New York, Philadelphia. They like they won the they won the Super Bowl, destroyed their city. That's how they are. You know, and that's not the good. That's not the positive stuff. It's not. It's not. That's not. But when you were saying their rival, I think I think Philadelphia fans are so easy to hate. They're so obnoxious. I know people say New Yorkers are obnoxious. We have nothing on Philadelphia. No, you're 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 right. No, I I I've been worked in both cities. Spent a lot of time in both cities. From an outsider that hasn't lived in either, but has spent a ton of time in both of them. Yeah, I'd have to agree with you. And being a Cowboys fan on the football side. And watching the Cowboys and the Eagles play, the, shit, that Eagles terrible. I, they're just all, they're such belligerent, belligerent, terrible, terrible of uh, fans. As far as you're right, they're just they're just angry, hateful people. So it's so awesome. And by, and by the way, if you're listening to the podcast, there are great people in Philadelphia. I'm <laughs> sure it's fans, not you, but I'm sure yeah. you, I'm sure you guys know someone they just I'm love describing. Their t- they're too damn passionate. And what that was one of my favorite things to watch. That's another thing growing up. When the Eagles had Ron Jaworski and watching Harvey Martin or Randy White from the Cowboys or Ed Tuttle Jones come around the end and just mash him. I used to because I hated the Eagles, hated the Eagles. (laughs) And at the time, that time, that was when the Eagles were good, too. They were the one competitor against the Cowboys. Ever the rest of the league, the rest of their conference sucked. Redskins were uh, ever to miss. Giants were awful. Cardinals were terrible. I was with the St. Louis Cardinals there. So it was always the Eagles and the Cowboys, and I used to love to watch Ron Jaworski get the shit kicked out of him from Ed Tutal Jones and Randy White and Harvey Martin just watch the D-line and just destroy him because it was. Because when I'd watch as a kid, they pan to the stands, and you could just tell the Eagles fans were just just angry. <laughs> just, just, but but you're right. No, there's good people. Definitely good people in Philadelphia. Just of not course. at not at the Veterans Stadium during, during the game. So yeah, the I, games. we'll get to Jimmy. But I, I was actually going to ask real quick, man. So your sports teams are all over the place. Is it because like there there's no Omaha professional sports teams? So well, I I grew up in Colorado, so my whole, fa- my whole family were the were Broncos fans, and as a young kid, one of my favorite books uh, to read in first grade was the Dallas Cowboy books. And what gravitated to me, just the colors. It was like that simple as a kid. I loved the the blue. I loved the silver. <laughs> I loved I loved their uniforms. And then as I started to pay attention to them, um, I loved their players. And at that time, when I really started to play attention, that was Roger Staubach. That was the, that was the Navy midshipman. Dude. That was you know, the guy, the gunslinger, but the gunslinger that, that just ran over everywhere, tough as nails. And then you had the general there, Tom Landry, who was the, who was the general on the, I mean, he was, it, it was to remind it just like the Yankees. They remind me of having rules and the teams had to apply those rules based off their owners and their coaches, just like George Steinbrenner does with the Yankees. And they still won. And granted at that time they won with class, which was awesome. And nowadays it's even more so. I mean, granted, they're off some the off field activities. You, what can you do, man? I mean, but on the field, 
they win with with style and class. Now, class, I can know if you can even make class synonymous with the NFL. <laughs> or yeah. the, but at that time, that was what. And to me, it, and if you can tell, I think that's, that's. I don't think that's a shock. That's why I went in the military and I enjoyed the military. I I saw them as having structure. But again, as a kid, I loved their colors, the blue, and they were winners. America's team and the Yankees. Yeah, as you say, America's team. And the Yankees won all the time, and and then I just I I just still love watching them. I still love, I I love the Jimmy Johnson years. I love Troy Aikman again, another guy like Roger Staubach. You know, you get these players that have a lot of class that are winners. Yankees, we just said of Mariano Rivera, Derek Jeter. Before that, you know, even Reggie Jackson. I even think he he was kind of considered a high, but really in today's standards, he still had a ton of class. Don Mattingly. Those guys from the Yankees, um, Bernie, uh, uh, who was it? He was my favorite. His guy Bernie, Williams. The sax- Bernie Williams played the saxophone. They won with class. They won with style, and they looked good. You know, guys with tons of beers, they got to make – it was the team. It wasn't, look at me, I got a beard down to my ass, Red Sox. It was, <laughs> look at who – they're clean-shaven, nice uniforms, and they're playing their asses off. And then when they did interviews – they did outstanding interviews. They 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 had same with the Cowboys, unless it was Leon Lett. You couldn't have Leon Lett on on an interview. Now, <laughs> but you know Emma Smith, class class act. Troy Aikman, class act. Michael Irvin became a class act after leaving the Miami Hurricanes. Um, you know, so it was. No, I, I think that's what it all gravitated, dude. I, I I am, and now being in Nebraska, of course, there's no team here. But when I was in Colorado, my whole family loved the Broncos, so of of course I hated the Broncos because I had to be different. <laughs> that's funny, man. All right, well, I'm gonna get to uh, Jimmy Allen here. I'm excited to bring on. I know he's excited to come on, so let me uh, add him to the call right now. What's going on, bro? How you doing, man? How's it going, guys? I'm doing hey, good. Man. I got to tell the audience in the background, seeing the Puddle of Mud uh, platinum albums on the wall, that is so badass, man. <laughs> that's, hey, that's for you, dude. That's for you. Hey, hey Jimmy, I'm, I'm worried about my video connection. That's why I just have it on audio. But you can paint the picture of all those all those records and gold gold records, everything on the wall for me, just so I can picture it in my head. And, yeah. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. I, I was, I got, see, I've been doing a lot of these podcasts and it's really cool. You know, I've really, I love, I love doing this. I love just talking to people about stuff. It's really cool. But I was right. nervous today. I was nervous today because I'm a fanboy of, of Chris, you know. Oh, shit. I'm a fan of Scotty, Oh, but. damn. Don't be a fanboy of me. That makes me feel like a pretentious Navy SEAL. I'm going <laughs> yeah, to get, I'm gonna get hate, hates for that one. Yeah. Oh, shit. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm kidding. I, I appreciate it, man. And, and, um, I had no idea. You know, I, I know, I know the group that can we again. We got notes. Can I? Is it like Voldemort? Can I mention the group that you? Yeah, were oh, yeah, the, I don't know if it was like we could mention their name or not. But I didn't know you wrote those. So I had no idea that you were the writer. Again, again, I listened to him. Ian is like the, he is the thesaurus, the the trivial pursuit of every musician and group out there. He knows everything. I like the songs, and that's the stuff I listened to when I was at Range Battalion. I mean that that was. The funky monkey out there in Seattle, Washington. That was the the grunge area when I was at Second Range Battalion. So it was puddle of mud, and, you know, and that was with uh, Pearl Jam, and that was you know that's that's Seattle. That's the uh-huh. and I didn't know you 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 wrote Blurry. I had no idea you wrote those songs. I, that's the coolest thing ever, and that's that's to me that I fanboy because that reminds me of when I was a private at Range Battalion and what we had in our battalion fitness center. It was that music from the fun. I still remember the funky monkey from Seattle, Washington, from SeaTac, 
on uh-huh. all the time at Range Battalion. That's all we listened to, and that was the stuff that we we get we get busy on, man. Just just that grunge rock that was popular at the time, and it still is pop to me. That's that's still rock. That's still music. I don't think uh, I don't think there's people that that play their play their instruments like they used to, brother. So I I'm fanboy and I appreciate it, and it, it brings me back. So when I heard that you were going to be on the show, I'm like, holy fuck! And it brought me right back to Range of Battalion. Like, holy shit, that was that was when I grew up. That's when I cut my teeth and became the idiot that I am today. <laughs> well, you know that's an honor, man, because. You know, it's like uh, I didn't write these songs, you know, like I, I never got into the, I, you know, of course, when you're young, you're, you know, full of piss and vinegar and you want to be rich and famous and all that. But really, with my songs, it was never really about that. It was about, man, touching people. And like that story you just told me is just one of those stories where people, fans tell me about this stuff. And that's what I really write music for. I write music for to touch people. It's, you know, the money's good when it comes in, but I mean... It's all about kind of touching people, and that's what I've always kind of aimed to do as a songwriter. Yeah, right, and that's... just to get the uh, – I, well, I just want to get the audience up to speed because, you know – Oh, did I, I jump into cool it? That... I fucked up no, again. I, I just... <laughs> no, it's all good. I thought it was cool, actually, to say that you guys are both fans of each other because genuinely that's why I wanted to, to bring Jimmy on. So Jimmy Allen is an award-winning songwriter, the guitarist and songwriter for Against All Well, former guitarist and or still recurring songwriter for Puddle of Mud. Yeah. Pretty much the writer behind every hit that you know from Puddle of Mud, I could say, whether it's Blurry, She Hates Me, Control, a lot of the other songs. And so I'm going to give you a little backstory, which Jimmy knows and Chris doesn't really know. When I was wrapping things up with Soft Rep a while back, I wanted to like dip my toe into doing a few different things. And I was completely fascinated with everything going on with Puddle of Mud at the time, especially with Wes Scantland, who I think is an incredible front man but was constantly in and out of jail, whether it was for drug issues, bringing a gun on a plane, um, and showing up on stage completely high, completely stoned, unable to perform. And I was like, man, what is going on with this guy? Because there are so many amazing songs and had such an incredible band. And I decided I wanted to do some sort of documentary about the band, not to exploit Wes Scantlin, but really to tell his story and hopefully see him come out of this a better man, which we know he has now. He's been sober for a while. I've seen them on a couple of shows since then, and he's he sounds amazing. Um, and I wanted to do something like that. It didn't end up happening, but I, I was working with someone who was a former colleague at Sirius XM on an audio documentary about Puddle of Mud, which he brought up to me. First person I interviewed was Jimmy Allen, and my friend from Sirius just went ghost on me. It never ended up happening. Uh, so I had this great interview with Jimmy that went nowhere. But I said to Jimmy, man, if the uh, if, you know, there's another opportunity, I want to interview you because we had such great stories. And when I announced Battleline podcast and have kept in touch with Jimmy through social media, you were just like, dude, you're doing a show with Chris Peranto. I'm a huge fan. And I knew at that point I was like, I, I got to get Jimmy Allen on the podcast. Yeah, I did. I, t- I said I read his book and everything. And you were, I think you were like, hey, man, well. You know, and I was like, man, I'll be nervous. Like, I'm, you know, <laughs> one of those things where it's like most of these things, you don't really know the people you're talking to. But I'm, I know both of you kind of, you know, so it's kind of yeah, yeah. you had great questions, too. You know, last time when we were doing that, we talked for what a couple hours about Puddle of Mud just to going in. Long, deep. Yeah. yeah. And we and you had great questions. Like you, it really would have been a really cool thing you were doing. I mean. Thanks, man. I mean, you know, things sometimes just work well and sometimes they don't. And I'm glad this is working well with what I'm doing for Chris. Um, I think a good way to start it, honestly, would be 
uh, you know, maybe we'll get into your background a little bit, but I think a cool thing is that for those who don't know, as I said, you were in Puddle of Mud from 91 to 96. That's way before they hit it big, way before they ever signed with Fred Durst. You wrote all these songs. What was it like when Control hits the airwaves, Control is all over MTV, and that was the first single before yeah. Blurry, and, you know, they're getting all this big exposure. They're touring nationally. I was at the first big tour when it was with Godsmack and Deftones, and people are hearing about them, and for you, you're like, I wrote this song, but I'm not in the band. What's that like? Well, with that, it's more about, you know, I, I was around for, for Control, but I didn't write that. That was Wes, and that was our original drummer, Kenny Burkett. But I was I around for it, and it was called Sex Hate. But Blurry, I wrote, and Drift and Die, I wrote. And those were the, and She Hates Me, yeah. I wrote. And those wow. were all the follow-ups. So I saw it build momentum really good, and I was really proud of Wes and everything. I think it's, you know, it was one of those things where I wasn't a hater, you know, I was a little, at the time I felt like I was jilted, but now that I look at things in, I look at it kind of, guys, I look at it, maybe he, he blessed me, maybe he saved me from, because there's, you know, I was out in LA for 10 years and it, it's, it's kind of crazy how things kind of go. But when that whole thing blew up, it was, Hollywood was the prime of, you know, I was out there and all this stuff's yeah, going on yeah. and people are offering me million dollar record deals and stuff like this. And it just didn't feel right. It felt really weird, you know, and when Blurry really blew up and I got some awards for that and she hates me for being, you know, ASCAP's biggest singles of the year, uh, 2003 and 2004, that's when it was just like watching this whole thing blow up. It's pretty, it's, it's been really a cool ride. It's been a great so, ride. So at the time you, you, I'm hearing you, the toxicity that, that could have been going on that you were saved, basically almost saved from which could have could have brought you in a bad place is that is that kind of what you're saying because i yeah, I, I, yeah, I can't exactly, even imagine yeah. what's like but i can yeah. imagine that getting into the wrong people and and, and it, it will throw you into alcohol or drugs or, or whatnot and and i man i can't even imagine it because i said I, I i want you to know that those two songs are like huge veteran military songs i don't know if you know that or not but they are that's stuff that we still listen to and blurry blurry is something after we'd ride up and down, and this was when I was a contract for Blackwater, we would ride up and down a road called Biop all day, or Irish, right? Up, one of the most dangerous roads in the in the in in Iraq at the time. This was 03 and 04, and that was one of the songs at the end of the day. Man, it was like it was like a hard song, but it was a calming song at the end of the day. After coming down, getting the gear off, you put you put on. You, you put on blurry or you put on and now I drift and die root, but I still would put that on anyway. It still would calm. Isn't that, is that weird that it would, it still would calm me down. Even though maybe should have had the other aspect of it. And it would be like, man, I'm still back in, I, I'm like, I'm back in America. I feel good. And this is making me come down off this day of hell that I've been going through. And I, I just want you to know, I know it's not even a question, but if anything, cause I don't think you need to fanboy me at all. Cause the songs that you wrote, kept me going during times when I was gone from home. And I can honestly say that for a lot of veterans out there, brother. And I don't know if you know it had that effect or were you ever writing it? I guess my question would be then leading on to that. Would you ever, was you writing with that aspect in mind when you're writing? Cause you say it comes from your heart. You can tell it comes from your heart. Definitely. When you're writing yep. those things. Are you thinking it's going to apply to stuff like that? Like guys, like the story I just told you, did you know yep. that it would go that far? Do you ever expect that? That's going to go that deep into somebody's, so they're going to have for the rest of their lives. Whenever they hear it, it brings me back to route Irish. Every time I hear it, it brings me back to Baghdad. Wow. Um, man. So man, when you write stuff like that, do you find, do you find that that's going to, that's going to happen that, that you're going to have that effect on people or maybe from here on out, you're going to after, after I said that. 
<laughs> no, yeah, I mean, you do that. That's what I write these songs for. I was, you know, I've battled with depression a lot of my whole life. And a lot of those songs were, man, I was bullied as a kid. And a lot of those songs were written when I was 19, 20, 21 years old. So, you know, it, it, yeah, and I was writing them, you know, I want to touch people, man. I, I, you know, I want to feel like, you know, people are coming away with something from it and not every song you can really, you can really do that with, but there's a lot of songs when I'm writing, I'm like, really, this is the words I'm writing or the phrasing I'm using or the melody lines behind the guitar or the acoustic. It's just something I'm trying to create a vibe. So yeah, you know, yeah. No, you, you you definitely did, and you created a tremendous and it's iconic, uh, especially for us guys that served and and served served at some of the SoCal units, man. So, um, I, bro, I I know you mentioned your depression. I've I've fought it. I've gone through it a lot. In fact, <laughs> this morning I had to go through another VA interview about post traumatic stress and TBI and all that for two hours before we even oh. got on the on the interview here. But what we have a lot of veterans out there that listen to this, and a lot of them like myself, and we want to hear your stories, if you don't mind telling about how you overcame that. How are you dealing? How do you continue to be successful? What do you do to even though you're fighting it and you came out of your depression? Stories that 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 got you through it, so we can learn from it and maybe take something away from it that we're having a hard time. Hey, this is this is what I heard on the Battleline podcast from Jimmy Allen. This is how he handled it. This is what I'm going to try because we find that that's that's how we get through it. Can you tell the story like that? Do you mind? I don't want you to go down a dark hole rabbit hole though, because I get that. Nah, I understand. No, man, I, you know, and I, yeah, thank, thank you for your service and, you know, to our great country, all your friends and stuff. That's, that's the first thing, but, you know, thanks, brother. You know, the, the thing is, I was, you know, depressed, but, you know, the thing I was trying to do is I was trying to cram pills and, and drinking yeah. and doing blow and doing all that stuff for a long time. I was trying to numb myself with that stuff. And you really got to, and I've been two and two and a half years clean now. Um, awesome. Yeah, thanks, dude. But yeah, no, it really, I can just, what I could say to get over this stuff, you know, and it's a hard thing. It's different for everybody. And uh, with me, I just realized that pounding depressants down my, you know, and drugs down my throat is not going to, is not going to help me get out of this hole. You know, it's like, I've never really been a big drinker, but drugs, you know, when you're in Hollywood and that whole bubble, you know, drugs kind of run that whole thing, you know, it's really... <laughs> And so, I mean, and everybody, you know, that's why you see all these bands signing bad record deals because they're depressed and they're, you know, pounding drugs down their throat, you know? So, I mean, I, the best thing I could say is, man, try to get off stuff, go outside, take in a deep breath and thank the Lord that you're alive, you know, and healthy, you know, and just kind of maybe get your feet on the grass, bare feet and kind of ground yourself a little bit and just feel you know, try to be, I know some people are, it's difficult in certain cities, but just get out on the grass and kind of in your own mind, you don't have to be a Bible thumper or anything, but just be thankful for your life and that you're alive and we're okay. We live in America, a great place, you know, and that's, that's, what, that, that's what we always say, didn't it? See, Jim's saying what we always say, but just get outside <laughs> yeah. and listen, get outside, get off this stuff, get off, I mean, not to got off all the medication that I was being prescribed to wasn't doing me a damn bit of good. I'm yeah. a spiritual runner. I run all the time. That's spiritual for me. I like that's me getting outside, walking barefoot out on my deck. It meant you're saying things that that if the common theme, it's so simple, but we just huh. forget it. We don't do it. It's the simplest things in the world. That's amazing, brother. That really is. I, and I'm I'm glad you said that because 
you're just you're you're verifying everything that we try to say on the show every time we have it and and that's the common theme man that's why you're successful and that's why you're still successful and congratulations on being clean for two years bro i i get that man that's hard thanks, thanks brother yeah and you know the thing is that blows me away is that you know what helped me a lot was just kind of the whole you know being thankful to the lord for stuff uh you know, I never had to go through rehab like a lot of my buddies. I lost a lot of buddies from dope, dude. Oh, I mean, I, I saw people, I mean, not just die, but their lives just go to hell in a handbasket. And wow. I didn't have to go through rehab. I play music. That's my rehab. And so I'm blessed to the Lord for giving me that because I think that really helped help me really kind of get off of doing drugs and drinking all the time. I was, and you know, all that stuff does is lead you to bad relationships with people. <laughs> It yeah. never really, it never really, it's a, it, your life's in turmoil. So it's oh, like, yeah. you kind of have to disconnect from some of your friends that are not, you know, and it kind of gives you some sort of balance to where you're like, man, I can do this. This, my life's not so bad. I can do this. I can work through this. That's God. awesome, man. That I want to, I want to go back to blurry because blurry for that year was like the biggest song. I can tell you, I saw Puddle of Mud, and I mentioned it, opened for Godsmack and Deftones. That was the first big national tour they did. So when Control was first hitting the radio, I do remember this. The audience was not really feeling them. I remember Wes Scantlin looking at the crowd and saying, you guys all look really cool sitting down. Uh, <laughs> you know, And the crowd was there for Deftones and Godsmack. And probably a year after that, Blurry blew up. And Puddle of Mud became a household name. So I just kind of want to go back to that. What was that? For one, did you ever think that that song that you wrote as a young man was going to become anywhere near as big as it did, that Puddle of Mud would become as big as they did? And when it became big, was it weird, you know, that you were not one of the guys in the video? Uh, yeah, it was It was strange to me, but it was one of those things where at the time I look at it as, man, it pissed me off. It really did. <laughs> yeah, I was really man. upset about it because it was like, that was my dream. I came up with the name Puddle of Mud. I even added the two Ds, double D titties, you know? And, <laughs> and, and, and you know, I, I sold that name to Wes for like a buck or something like that. Oh, because shit. They want, Fred Durst wanted to change it and all this stuff. My lawyer's telling me, nope. He's like, don't sign anything. It's worth at least a million dollars. And I'm like, no, he's my bro. He's my bro. And that's the thing about the music business. It's one of the most corrupt, evil, backstabbing businesses you could ever be in. I mean, I had people trying to rip me off here. Had, you know, I had big record companies trying to do weird stuff. And it's like a, there's a very cloak and dagger thing about L.A. and the whole music scene. You know, you know, you know, uh, uh, brother, I'll be honest. That kind of sounds like the it, it, as much as you wouldn't think it would. It sounds like the gun world, the gun business, brother, yeah. stuff, shit yeah. like that going on. All yeah. the time, and especially even nowadays with, with how much all the different gun companies and how much these things are worth now. It, people wow. just screwing each other le left and right. Your brothers, you're thinking you have a brother, and now he's, he's wearing it for the money, and he's going to yeah. screw you over. But I, how do you get you, – you got through all that. How, you pushed through it, and now you know, you're continuing on. And I may be jumping the gun. I just – I like to hear how you just continue to press on with all that happening. And I know you, it felt like a kick in the gut. I'm sure it did. Huh. What do you do? I mean, you, you got up and, and you just said, you know, fuck it. Hey, fuck it. That, you just kept moving forward or, or or did you go in a bigger hole or did you just how did you continue to press on and push and, and accomplish and continue to continue to say, you know what? Fuck this. Screw this. We got it. We can continue to move on. I can continue to get better. And, yeah. You and, know, it, it's one of those things, dude, totally that, you know, 
I, I went through a really dark period where after that time when kind of that's when I really got heavily into drugs and drinking and partying and oh, no doubt. women and all that stuff. And so, like, I really went through a dark period to where, man, I kind of lost hope in everything where I lost hope and I, I lost maybe a little bit of faith. And I started kind of being a little more sinister and thought and, you know, and kind of that's when I lived in Hollywood. And there was just people in Hollywood. You you know, Chris, I mean, you were on a movie, you know, you, you oh, know, those, yeah. it's, it's really cool why it's happening. You're kind of yeah. You're kind of wondering, why in the fuck am I here? Um, but it's really weird. And then there's a lot of shit that goes on behind the scenes that people just can't fathom. Like, your normal person can't fathom what some of this stuff that we, I've seen or when I was out there, you know, doing that whole thing. And kind of, I would say I I lost faith. You know, I, it's a very kind of evil industry. It's like no, satanic. Right, right. There's, there's some satanic stuff going on. I've seen some weird stuff that, like, I don't know. It really kind of, man, it brought me back around to where after I, you know, my dad was a Marine, you know, and after my dad and my mom passed away and they were such saints and such good people, I got closer to God. And that kind of made me move out of LA because there was some, there's just not everybody out there, but it's like, there's some weird stuff going on. No, I, I, I feel you, bro. When I fly into Dallas, when I fly into DC, as soon as I get mm -hmm. off the plane in the beltway, it just feels dirty. And I'm glad you're talking about God and faith because that is always important. That's the key. You got to have it. If you don't have yeah. that in you, you have a hard, harder time coming out of the cesspools of these areas. And I do. I, you're, that feeling, I, I understand what you're talking about, that feeling, because it is. I feel the same thing. As soon as I get in the Beltway, as soon as I get to Northern Virginia, because I know how bad it is there. I mean, I work for uh -huh. the agency. I see on the Pentagon, all, getting in the doing them damn interviews with all them corrupt politicians down there when all this shit was going on, doing the stuff we did. And you feel dirty. You really do. You feel like, and the only way to get away from it is, is you got to get out of it. But the only reason you can feel it is because of your faith. And it really, and that's, that's amazing. I, and I didn't know, but be honest with you, Jimmy, I didn't know you were, you had that much into faith. I, I thought you were, but I, you never know. You know, like, is he really, uh -huh. is he not? And that's awesome to hear. And I didn't know your dad was a Marine. Yeah, super fly. Oh, dude, that's a, okay. I, I know what's quite Ian. Go ahead because I know what I want to ask him next. Especially he's got a dad the Marine. Uh, we may get off the music route. I'm gonna want to talk about his dad. No, no, let's have fun, Marine. man. Let's. It's all about. Let's have a good show. Let's just have fun. Whatever. Yeah, Ian, bro, next. You got. What do you got, Ian? What do you no, got? No, Ian? Well, I and we will. We'll definitely get into the Marine stuff. No, you know what I wanted to ask is that actually since the last time I spoke with you with that interview that never got released. Puddle of Mud put out the Welcome to Galvania uh, album. Really good. It's got some awesome songs on there. And what I was wondering is you had some songwriting credits on there. So yeah, it seems like yeah. you guys are on good terms again now. And and the band is is doing great. I mean, they're yeah. uh, with all things considered, man, they seem to be back on track. This is the biggest thing they've done in a while. And I think a lot of it has to do with your songwriting coming back into the fold. Yeah, that's definitely. cool, man. Yeah, I mean, and I'm really proud of Wes for doing that, you know. We've been talking, you know, you don't know was kind of the first song, you know, I kind of wrote for Puddle of Mud. That's on the on the new album. Uh, the first song is on there, as you don't know, and I kind of wrote that. That was on the Stuck album. So from, you know, back in, you know, it's almost 30 years now. And he he asked me to rejoin the band not too long ago. And I said, man, for both of our sobriety, it's probably not a good idea. You know, I don't know. You know, I, we don't hang out day to day, but we talk every once in a while. It sounds like he's doing great to me. 
you know, but it's like for my sobriety going out and playing shows right now, it's just not really what I want to do. You know, I want to write, you know, I'm working on my new against all will project. I've got the cooker disc I just put out. I'm working with a bunch of different artists and, you know, I just don't feel like going out on the road. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's kind of treacherous out there. It's really, it's fun when you're on stage doing it, but the rest of the 20 other two hours of the day, you're just yeah. sitting around waiting for stuff, flying here, doing this, doing that, doing that. You know, it's kind of treacherous. You're smart, and that's that's smart. I, I, bro, I, that's why I nuked, I nuked my all my social media back when the three years. And I'm not built for any of this. I don't think a lot of veterans. I say that on other shows. We're built for getting out in the spotlight. And for 13, yeah. from basically 2014 to 2017, I, I'm out there, you know, doing all the news. Social media ran my life. I, I, I'm out there traveling. I hate traveling, but I'm out there flying, getting shake air, all that stuff. And you no, know, I was drinking all the time, and I was uh, just—it yep. was awful. And you're right, sleeping with. And I was—I was divorced from my wife. We reconciled, which has been tremendous. Oh. But, mm-hmm. you know, but I'm sleeping with everything. It's—it's it's just terrible. It's toxic. It to- and for you to know, just like I did, I nuked everything, and now I'm back home. I don't do news anymore. I don't get on TV. I do the podcast because it's fun. That's uh-huh. why I do the podcast. We have a blast. Yeah. Talking, and I get to talk to people like you. That is awesome. But. Yeah. What you realize, and I think a lot of guys out there, is that you got to put you, you put your ego aside, that pride, that seventh deadly sin. You yes. set it aside, and you said, you know what, I I got this. I don't need to be out there with my face leaving. I'm still doing awesome. I don't need to be on because when I'm on those road, those vices that I know I have a weakness to, they could control me, maybe not, but they could, and then I'll go back down that slippery slope. And you realizing that is tremendous. And I don't think people realize how much strength that takes to to not go back out there because those vices are calling you, and they do with me all the time. And I'm like, yeah, nope, I'm strong yeah. enough to push that away now. So for you saying that just shows that, that your strength is. And I, if I'm, if I'm wrong, but that's, that's what I'm hearing because I, I can kind of relate to it. And, and I'm admiring you because you're able to do that. Cause a lot of people, they can't do that. They will succumb to those vices and you haven't, and you're being successful and everything's coming full circle. It's amazing, dude. Uh, uh, amazing. And, and writing on the new, new record album, brother, proud of you, brother. And, and, um, not, but I, I do, I do want to get to the Marine stuff. I, I, I'm itching. <laughs> I want to know what I want to know what it was like growing up with a Marine for a father, brother. Because uh, I know how hard I am on my son, and uh, being, you know. But how was it? and how did that, you know, how did that shape you? Probably been asked this question a million times. If not, I no, this is a, this is the first one, man. The really? First, no, she, I mean, no. Dude, you, you, you know, gotta I, tell me how it was with that Marine. How it shaped you in the person you are now? Definitely. <laughs> Yeah, he really did. I mean, that's the thing is I used to be really angry at my dad. I I was really angry at my dad until I kind of started to get older and start to realize, you know, man, he knows what he's talking about. (laughs) You know, but yeah, I had, dude, I had long hair. My dad was always offering me $100. If you just go get your hair cut, you know, I'll give you a hundred bucks. I was like, no, man, this is what makes me cool, dad. Yeah, like I sound like your dad right now, man. I feel old as shit. Oh my gosh, that was me talking to my fifty-year-old son. Um, so, so when he now was he in the service when you were growing, or was was he out when you were born? And no, man, he went in. He he enlisted on his own when he was seventeen. And uh, funny thing is, is that he told me, you know, you know, he was all raring to go at seventeen, right out of high school, you know, ready to go into the core. And uh, (laughs) and uh, so he. He goes, he goes in there and, you know, they, he, he gets in there. I think they're at Camp Pendleton or one of those places out, you know, yeah. by San Diego. Yeah, you know. Yep, Pendleton. And, yep. Yeah. And he was like, he, he said that they woke him up at four, four in the morning for a 
five mile run. But the, the drill sergeant said, I hope you pray to Jesus last night, boys. Your soul can go to him, but your ass belongs That's to right. the poor. <laughs> fucking Marines, dude. And you know, they've been saying that damn line probably for the last 40 years. Say yeah. but it still, but what, yeah, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. It still works. It is still, yeah. it's still. So did, was he, did he ever make you get up and take five mile runs in the morning or anything? Get up and get up and get the chores done or, or you, or you just become a rebel I, and just try to stay Thank away from Lord. it all. Thank the Lord for my mom. She kind of, she was the one that, you know, <laughs> yeah. she kind of yeah. ran the house. My dad was the, you know, he was the worker and my mom was the homemaker. So it was like, so if I was getting out of hand, I, I still to this day, I feel bad for my parents because I put them through hell. You know, it's like, cause you know, little boys just go crazy and do the dumbest stuff, you know? Yeah. 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 Oh, it's, it's funny by the way, cause what you're saying about <laughs> that it wasn't until you were older that you realized, you know, that your dad knew what he was talking about. Yeah. We just had Ted Nugent on the show and he talked, oh, he said yeah. the exact same yeah. thing about growing up with a father who was in the service. Who, who was a Marine. His father, his fa- was he a Marine? No, his father was army. Or, I can't remember. Holy shit. But yeah, he did. He did. He did his exact same talk. And the same thing that I'm hoping my son, when he gets older, he goes, yeah, my dad knew what he was talking about. Because right now, he don't listen to me for shit. <laughs> he will. He will, dude. He will. It's just, it's one of those things. It's like my dad one time when I was playing guitar, he came to me and he was like, why are you just so, like, why do you want to do this band thing? You're you're so angry. And I'm like, yeah, I'm full of testosterone. I'm a little kid. You know, I want to rock. I want to get chick. <laughs> That's awesome, man. You know, so you know what I wanted to ask you about? You were saying about, you know, not being, uh, you know, on the on the level right now to want to hit the road. However, no one is hitting the road because yeah, of exactly. what's going on. There is no touring going on. But you said you're writing new stuff for uh, Against All Will as well as yeah. some other things. Uh-huh. What, what is the trajectory of that? And, and also, just what do you see happening with the music industry at large? Because I've said this on the show before. You know, we've had Frankie Palmieri from Amur on the show. I don't know if yeah. you know those guys. Um, yeah. They're great. But, you know, Frank has said before that, that, like, the industry is so in his pocket for everything that he does. He's like, you know, at one time it was people were buying CDs. Now stuff is on Spotify where you know better than us that you're making a fraction of a penny on. And the whole thing was, well, you guys are going to make that up in touring. And now there is no touring. So a lot of artists like them are launching Patreons. They're trying to find ways to make money. But it's it's a really weird industry right now. And especially with the touring situation. I mean, if you go to see Against All Will, if you guys do shows, you want to be GA on the floor having a great time with your bros. There's no social distancing at an yeah. against all will or puddle of mud show. No, yeah, I mean, that, it's forever changed, dude. I mean, it's a you know a weird thing that you can kind of see what's is kind of cool about the new industry. I mean, and the industry model's been screwed for years. You know, ever since Napster kind of came in and kind of did that. Oh wow! Which yeah. you know, you know, that's one of those things where it's like. Yeah, it's cool to share your music with your fans and your friends and you know and stuff like that. But there's a there's a line you have to draw of well, they're robbing you because you know streams are really cool. We have the, I have the new Cooker project out right now, which is yeah. a band with, with with my buddy Troy McCoy, which is kind of an old. We decided to put it out. It's an old recording. We did it you know in the '90s or whatever, but we decided to put it out. And on Spotify, it went crazy. You know, it was like actually doing good. And I thought, you know, hey, man, maybe there's going to be two grand or something in there from Spotify. And I think we looked 30 bucks. What? Holy <laughs> yeah, crazy, man. Are you look, kidding? Look at our Spotify stats on Cooker. You know, it, 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 
it blew up and I was really happy because I was like, it wasn't because of the money. I was just happy that it was getting out there. And I thought, man, no, maybe a couple, you know, you know, a couple thousand bucks would be in there after a hundred thousand spins or whatever it is. And no, it was like 30 bucks. We were like, Wait. oh, we can buy a set of strings now. <laughs> Holy shit. I think you need a couple Rangers to go down to Spotify and rough. Some, uh, you hear me out there, Spotify? Oh, shit. They're going to pull our podcast off Spotify. Sorry, Ian. My bad. But need to rough some of the sons of bitches up. Man, that, that's complete bullshit. I, I, and I've, I don't think I've cussed as much in a, in a podcast in a long time. I, I try to keep it clean, even for my Ranger mouth. But that pissed me off. Are you kidding me? You put all that work in. Yeah. And and you should be rewarded for it. And people say, yeah, well, we're doing it for the music. Well, yes, but still got to make a damn living. And and you got people putting money in their pockets. And that, bro, I didn't I, I didn't know you and because I Troy another member of Puddle of Mud. I uh-huh. got to hear that because I haven't heard that yet. Obviously, I'm not going to use Spotify. I will purchase it because that's <laughs> what I that's what that's what I do. But I got to hear that. Dude. I'll yeah, send you I'll send you a, I'll send you a special edition one. Oh, dude, you, you, I would, bro, if you could, tra- we'll trade, we'll trade. Yeah, you got it. You send me a special edition. I'll send you some signed books. You tell me. Cool, man. That'd tell be me awesome. If, dude, I love tell it. Me if you love want. it. Uh, well, that's good to hear. I, I just, I'm still amazed that, that, that through all that adversity, and that's why I love having people like yourself on the show and, 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 you know, having guys that aren't veterans on the show, but still have become successful is that you still you're just you facing off school and you overcome it and you you've been through hell with with the in the toxic worlds and you've overcome it and you understand your weaknesses and you and you understand your strengths and you play to your strengths and uh i, I would say that's part of the marine corps upbringing but i don't know maybe that's mom's soft hand too because i had that same sort of household my dad was he was tough he wasn't a veteran or anything but my mom was my mom was always the cool head. And in my household, yeah, it's exactly that way. I, my wife runs the house. I don't, but I'm still the tough, tough hand. So uh, uh, no, bro, it's, it's just, it's, it's, it's crazy. It's just amazing that you're doing that. And, um, awesome. you know, the future comes and you're still moving, moving on, you know, after talking, would it be possible? I could you, I, I would love to see a, a song maybe down the road that, that caters to veterans, caters to, to maybe deployments. I know some of those times they can, get a little sad and heartfelt when, when groups do songs about the military. I think five finger death punch does, does a lot of them. They are. But, yeah. They awesome. St- yeah. They, yeah. they're, yeah, they're videos and that they're the songs. Yeah. And yeah, Chris drift and die. I kind of, that's kind of, you know, was that what I was going to ask you is that, cause that sound yeah, when I listened you know, to it, that's what it sounds. It, it, it reminds me of being in Iraq, man. Yeah, it's kind of, I lost it. Yeah. I lost a couple friends and, you know, one was suicide and one was, yeah, so it's, it, it, and then my aunt passed away from cancer. So that song is about dealing, grieving with, you know, loss and how ignorance spreads lies and how much will money buy. Ignorance spreads lies, how much will money buy? That's basically, you know, it's like, yeah, you're, or, yep. you can't buy, you can't buy, you know, people's you know life back and stuff like that it's so it's kind of i did kind of write that in that mind you know uh, so it's kind of it's cool that when you said that you know it really it really hits home because i i talk to a lot of vets i talk to a lot of people and i i do you know if you guys need music for your podcast i'd love to do like a heavy rocking song if you ever need an intro i'm your guy i've been doing those that would be um, sick, man. We currently have uh, Jinx fails, but you know they've never come on the show. So yeah, if you have something, no, man, maybe, are you kidding me, dude? Oh, man. dude I got a guitar right here. I could play right now for you. <laughs> <laughs> I could use that riff. 
Dude, dude are you, I would let's, love that. I, yeah, are you kidding it. me? I, are you, oh, he's, come he's on, picking man. up the guitar. All right, he's picking up the guitar. Oh, <laughs> Damn. Yeah, we got, I got to hear this. Ah. Holy shit. That is... Yeah. Oh my lord, dude! I got to chill. Ted Nugent picked up the guitar. No, yeah, so, hey, Ted, yeah, Ted. You know, Jimmy Allen just one up you, dude. I'm just letting uh, you know, Ted, Ted out there. Ted. He's not a big fan of Puddle of Mud, though. Really? Yeah, is that is that true? Or no? Yeah, it was on that Rockstar show, whatever it was on VH1 with Scott Ian and them, where they all had a band, and he went into some radio station, and they were just got done playing my song "She Hates Me," and he was like playing that damn puddle of mud. You know, it's all it's on video. It's one thing. It's pretty funny, man. But I love him, man. He knows what he's talking about. No, he, that's, he, that's great, man. I, I wanted to ask you, so tell us a little bit about Cooker, because I'll be honest, I haven't really heard about it. The last thing that I knew you were working on was Against All Will. So this is a pretty new project that's from the past, it sounds like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's kind of vintage. Uh, it's one of those things where we recorded it at the same play, re- recording studio as Puddle of Mud. And uh, it's more, I'm singing and playing guitar. It's a three-piece. It's more kind of punk rock slash hard metal stuff. It's kind of... He's got some pretty cool songs, you know. It's a, it's a really, it's kind of an angry kind of record because I was angry when I was singing at the time. But we did it all on tape. We didn't use Pro Tools. We didn't use Whoa, all that. So we did it on wow. tape, man. And so we just, I think a lot of bands nowadays are kind of overdoing it a little bit too much with the computers and shit. When you listen to this stuff, Scott, you know, you, I mean, it's, it's awesome. It's one of those things where. It just has that bottom end, and it's the tape sound. We didn't use computers, and it's really raw and gritty and people have really been really uh they've really I've, I've been actually really surprised at how many good reviews i've got from it and stuff i was really happy with that because it's kind of like i'm not the best singer i like to scream a lot i'm kind of <laughs> angry you know so i, I kind of like that uh, getting some good reviews on it you know some people were even saying it's my best work ever and i'm like wow i read that in a review and i was uh, like that kind of blew me away it's like I'm I'm very humbled by a lot of this stuff to have success and be able to afford a place to live and all the guitars I need. And, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, so when I put the cooker disc out, which was, you know, from the, you know, early nineties, which we did it, we did, all we did was remix some stuff and it sounds great. It's tape going to tape. Oh, I got to hear that, man. I, that's, I, we're going to list. We need to play that on the show. Ian. We got to find Ian's the man yeah. on all that. Stuff. No, send, send it over as long as uh, we don't get flagged. That's all that I worry about. You know, it's funny because I uh, every show that I put up on YouTube, I put them up on YouTube. I we don't get flagged, but it says you're using copyright material, whatever, because I use um, a song that Mark Slaughter did. Never given up from Slaughter, okay. of course, uh, okay. which he wrote about, you know, service members, never given up PTS, you know, post-traumatic stress, all that stuff. And yeah, I get the alert that says I'm using his material. And it's like, he texted me and said I could use this song. You know, it's so weird the way copyright stuff works. But yeah, no, well, we can end with some cooker for sure when we uh, when we wrap things up. But yeah, dude, getting an intro and outro from you would be huge. I mean, I think that's so cool because I picked the Jinx song because I liked it. I liked the message and Mark Slaughter. But the fact that you've been listening to what we're doing since the beginning. and, And like I said, I've. I fanboy for you, bro, because I've been a fan of your music for so long. And then when I heard you were a fan of Chris, I was like, this is perfect. And it's just so cool because I said it on the on the last show, actually, that we did uh, with Dave Bray, 
that I think people get the idea that all guys in bands, just like all guys in Hollywood, are like left-wing socialists. They don't respect the military. And there's a ton of guys out there yeah, like you, like truth. like Dave Silvera from Corn, who we're having on, who are oh, yeah. like-minded like guys. Yeah. He's funny. He's cool. He's funny. <laughs> like Dave, yeah. No, I mean, dude, I mean... I, you know, a lot of these, a lot of this stuff that's going around, it's just really, you know, people need to grow a sack. I mean, man, (laughs) dude, I mean, (laughs) I mean, it's really getting to a point to where it's like, you know, once you've been to Hollywood and you've seen some of that stuff and then like, you know, I'm back, I'm I'm here in Missouri, you know, I, I live in Kansas city, man. And I kind of was brought up in in Kansas, but with my family, but then I moved up here to start puddle of mud when I was 19 or 20. You know, so I'm kind of like, you know, I'm glad I got out of the Hollywood system because, man, all these people that are hitting me up on my Facebook when I just kind of post something, you know, uh, you know, about Creepy Joe or something like that, you know, but, you know, <laughs> you know they, they they lose their minds. I know. I mean, it's, it's almost really the craziest thing you've ever seen. They can't come back with a real sentence. It's just like. Fuck Trump, you suck. Yeah. <laughs> that's like, that's it's it's that's why I, even, I don't even get into it anymore. It's not even worth it. Like, uh, man, I, this I'm gonna keep doing my stuff, and I don't care one way or the other. You, you guys yeah. go 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 beat yourself up over all the politics. I, yeah. I just want to listen to some good music. Get out in the gym. Go run. Go. Actually, I was saying go shoot. That was gonna lean back. Did I, I wanted to ask you? Did, did your dad? Did you ever? Did he shoot or did you pick up anything like that? Being a Marine, I figured he shot a little bit. Did, I know you picked up a, a guitar, but there's some guy that, that like, even like Dave's one of them, Bray, that, that you know, is an avid shooter and avid guitar. Well, Ted Nugent, especially yeah. huge. Did you ever yeah, pick up I mean, anything like that? Did he ever, or did he just keep it away from the household? Because, you know, sometimes fathers and like even myself can see what the destruction a gun can cause and they would just want to keep it as far away from their kids as possible so it's, it can go one or two routes how was it in your household with that growing up because I, I marine shoot so i know i know he did but did he ever did he ever did he ever push or did he ever teach it did you ever get into firearms or anything like that growing yeah, up dude. as a kid yeah no yeah my dad you know my dad, all, all his stuff, you know, when he was stationed, he was in charge of the ammo depot. Oh, so, geez, yeah. <laughs> so, like, uh, so when he got, I mean, dude, I grew up in a time where we played war, dude. We didn't play cowboys and Indians. We played war, you know. Oh, yeah. I had all my dad's stuff, and he had a dismantled training 45 that didn't work anymore. I got to use that as a, a toy oh, gun. Awesome. You know, I mean, we grew up in a different time to where it was like, that's what yeah. we did. It was, we missed the whole Cowboys and Indians phase when I was growing up. You know, in the 80s, it was all about war. You know, we played war. We went and hit out. We had, you know, we'd make tunnels, yep. we'd, you know, yep. make forks everywhere. And so my dad was pretty relaxed on that. But when he did teach me to shoot, you know, we would, it was uh, one of those things where he taught me right off the bat. And I still use it to this day. It's, it's a powerful tool. And if you know how to use it, you can use it, but you don't overuse it. You don't try to, you know. Yep. And I got into, you know, when I kind of was going through a problem with drugs and I was trying to get off drugs and alcohol, I didn't, I kind of music kind of triggered the urge to do that stuff, you know. So when I'd play music, it didn't do it it all the time, but it would trigger me to, to, to kind of want to do like I, I, you'd think, well, I did my best stuff on drugs or messed up, and I've done some good stuff that way, so maybe I need to be that way to, to do yeah. this right. And I had to balance something out, and I didn't really have any other hobbies, so I got in the hobby of 
basically making ARs, building ARs. Did you? Are you kidding me? Oh my! Yeah, yeah tell, and I want to hear about that. I mean, what? Yeah. What's? Tell me some of that you've built. And no, I, I'm, a, I, I'm obviously into guns. Right? I replicate gun companies. I me build too, my own man. ARs. I actually have my own AR called the Tonto's Toolbox. A little, a little uh, PDW, a little shorty carbine, which is considered a pistol. Yeah, all the whatever. I saw, I saw a picture of it, dude. I oh, dude, that thing it. is badass. I love that thing. But that's what that's what I do. I'd love to hear, man. What's what have you built? Anything that you could talk about? And it, what what pieces do you recommend? I, and I told people pieces are for everybody. There's uh-huh. not one piece that somebody likes, not one gun that's better than the other. It's like Harry Potter's wand, dude. You pick yeah. it up, it fits you. So tell me, yeah, I'd like to hear about your building. If there's one that you built that's your favorite and, and what's the f- favorite caliber you like to use. And our listeners, of course, we get tons of those kind of listeners. They'd want to hear that, man. I, I definitely do. That's awesome. Fantastic. A rock star build, a rock star building gun. What's the yeah. rock star build? What's the Jimmy <laughs> Allen rock star AR build? I want to hear it. Yeah. So I, I got a uh, Daniel defense, you know, lower. I got a couple of those that I put together, you know, uh, I did have the mil specs triggers in there at first and I didn't like those. I thought they were too little bit too gritty, sure. you know? Yep. 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 And, you know, so I, I'm really with the, what's crazy about the whole gun thing is, is like, it's really putting it together. You can't be, it's like putting together a, it's like a putting together a model, you know, yeah. car yeah. when you're a kid, you got to really, yeah, it is. Yeah. you can't be fucked up and drinking and all that stuff. No, Cause you'll you know? blow your gun up. It'll blow up in yeah. your hands. You yeah. can't do that. Of course. Yeah. So yeah, it really kind of it kind of balanced that out. But what really got me, Chris, was I really got into optics. So you know, I was on the aim points, I was on you know all the EOTechs and all the balancers, and I really yeah, got into yeah. you know the flip up sights and all the Magpul stuff. I was going crazy. It was like all my guns were awesome, and I maybe shot them once or twice. <laughs> You'd be so shocked, brother. Probably ninety percent of the people out there with guns. It's something like that. Uh, but, but brother, the optics, I, I get sponsored and I, I used to use, when I was downrange, I used EOTech. That's what we uh-huh. had. I used Aimpoint when I was at Battalion. I've had ACOGs. Honestly, I, I, I use Vortex now, Vortex, and they, they, of course, I've got a sponsorship with them now, which is awesome. Those things, those Vortex optics, I would say I re- took all my EOTechs off and put all those, those three buys, the flip-up sights, uh-huh. spider, spider, uh, you know, uh, we've got uh, Spikes Tactical on the flip-up sights. So, no, dude, you you know what you're talking about with the three buys, and if you get the three buys with that open, open zero reflex vortex on there, EOTech, uh-huh. it just makes the weapon cool. And does they look cool? You can make them yeah. where they look cool as hell, and that's that's all right as long as they're zeroed. And if somebody breaks in your house, they're gonna wish they didn't. They're spot on, dude. There's nothing uh-huh. wrong with that, and it is therapeutic. I'm down in my basement building guns, putting yeah. guns together, and screwing guns up, I, blowing guns up, rebuild them again. You know. <laughs> I've done it. I ain't gonna lie. I've blown a gun up before and just kept shooting, blew up in my hands. Like, eh, all right, well, shouldn't have done that. And, uh, and just kept rebuilt it and fired it again. So that, that's amazing, dude. I did Daniel defense is good, but are there any pistols that you're shooting or just ARs? Is that what you're into? Yeah, I've got a bunch of pistols. My dad, when my dad passed away, he left me all his guns and like, yeah, oh. you know, he has a sharps 45, 70. Wow. Holy you know, the course. Buffalo gun, the Buffalo yes. gun. I haven't oh ever shot Lord. it. Yeah. And I have never shot it. I don't think he ever shot it, but it is one fine piece of you know, machinery. Dude, put, put, put that in a shadow box and put it on your wall. Don't ever shoot that thing. That thing's going to be, that thing's going to be a museum down the road. It, it, should, it, it could it, probably it, be in a museum right now. 
It is, man. It, yeah, I, and that's the funny thing. As soon as I like inherited that after my dad passed away, I was like, man, now I got to go get a really good safe. So I, I had to go <laughs> yeah. get like a $5,000 safe for yep. all this stuff. That's so cool, man. You know that, what I wanted to ask you cool. about? Uh, what, like, of all the songs that you've written, and, and we've listed a whole bunch, and we haven't even gotten into, you know, all that you've done with Against All Well, what's, like, your favorite song that you've written and why? Drift and Die, man, all the way. Drift and Die. I've always felt that. I wrote all, all that by myself, you know. It, Wes didn't really he write any of those lyrics. or It's all my music and lyrics, and it's totally all my, my thing. And when I wrote it, like I was telling you before, I kind of felt some, you know, I had my own tuning on it. I use a double drop tuning. So all the D, the, the, the E strings are dropped, you know, so it's like a, it's almost like a Zeppelin kind of feel to it, you know, kind of a trippy kind of atmospheric kind of feel. Yeah. That's my favorite, you know, it's, it's the one that is, it's like, I still hear it on classic rock, dude, which is cool. I mean, yeah, it's cool. Bro, that, I, and that's, I, it means a lot. It does mean a lot to veterans, sir. So that's, that's, I hope that makes it even more uh, valuable to you because it just means a ton to to guys like myself. That's that's a that's an iconic you. one you're throwing. Yeah, I, I think it's so cool that those songs blew up at that time because growing up at that time, that was pretty much it was almost the tail end of the whole new metal thing of rap rock. Uh, and when Biscuit signing Puddle of Mud, it was almost like a gamble because. Nirvana and bands that Puddle of Mud has been compared to and, you know, Stone Temple Pilots, they, that yeah. was not the height of that. The height of that was really 10 years back. And those songs just resonated and they still resonate to this day. And it's like, I'll probably go for a run after this and listen to that first Puddle of Mud album. And I will say it as a credit to you, man. I mean, that first album was huge. Second album really did not do what the first did. And what was the missing ingredient? It was you, yeah, man. You weren't there album, writing yeah. the songs. I'm humbled, man. Thanks, dude. Really. I mean, dude, I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of a lot of people see it. Like you see it, they see that and they, they, and you know, I think Wes kind of has his guard up about me because it's like, I did, I, I really formed the whole band and everything. And I was, you know, kind of offered some crazy amounts of money, you know, and Fred Durst kind of got involved and that's where it kind of got a little weird and shifty. I mean, as a band, we had every label in the world looking at us and we kind of broke up because none of us could come to an agreement on signing anything. And then sure. Wes kind of signed with Fred behind everybody's back. Wouldn't you think that people would though? Wow. Because Fred Durst at the time, Fred uh -huh. Durst was looked at as this he like, looks, God. I didn't have done it. I don't blame him. I would have done the same thing. I would have left him in the dust. You know I mean? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think I can't remember. It was like $10 million they offered Wes. And, you know, he, of course we found out about it after the fact, you know, that yeah. we kind of got pushed out a little bit, but you know, I wrote those songs and they're still my songs. And even as a kid, my God bless my dad. Cause he gave me the money to go to file songwriting credits. When I was a kid, when I came up, oh, wow. he's, like, he's like, dude, you got to get this done. Cause I know this guy named boxcar Willie that, you know, he's a country singer. And he said, you always get, you know, make sure you get your stuff copywritten. And did so your I, dad, did your dad know boxcar Willie? For, he knew for somebody. Knew somebody that knew, like managed him or recorded oh. him or something. <laughs> yeah, that's so cool, man. And and I that mean is. that really does show the business sense of everything. You know, Puddle of Mud had a similar thing, I think, as Kid Rock with that album. In that, uh, Control was the first single, and as I said, moderate success. But it wasn't until Blurry and then She Hates Me that that thing blew up. And everybody remembers that Kid Rock album, which actually wasn't his first album, but kind of his first rock album. 
and everybody knows Ba with the Ba, and only God knows why and all those songs. That album, right? Yeah, Devil Without a Cause, the song too. And I don't know if people remember this. So I had a friend whose dad was senior VP of Atlantic Records, and at the time he was saying, you know, I got this artist kid, Rock. He's going to be huge. And people forget the first single was "I Am the Bull God," and most people don't remember it. It wasn't until those second and third singles that people got it, and he blew up. Same thing with you guys, man. Like, you know, it wasn't until Blurry hit the airwaves. And like I said, to this day, as you said, you hear it on classic rock radio. And really, it's pretty crazy that all these years later, what is it, 20 years later, still out there touring (laughs) off of these songs that you wrote. And that, that says a lot, man. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy. I mean, it was really, I'm, I'm very blessed to have that happen. And I'm real thankful, uh, that Wes is, 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 uh, doing good now and stuff you know we just got a license for hbo for doing uh for doing blurry on uh it's on uh the silicon valley series and uh, nice. you know, I just, we just nice. we just did a licensing deal with that and That's so blurry, huge. yeah it's yeah it's good nice you know you know but it's one of those things where it's like as time goes by it's crazy how things kind of work out and the thing is is i don't really now want to be a live member of Puddle of Mud, but if Wes wants to come at me and we can write some songs that are going to top that stuff, I'm all for it. I would love to see it happen. Yeah, I would too. I'd be amazing. Dude, I, I want to, when did you, we haven't, we got a little bit of time left and not a ton, but, um, away from what, when did, when did you bring faith, brother? When did faith in God, I mean, I'm sure as a Marine, as a father, and you're right, I'm in, hey, I'm just two hours up above you. I'm in Omaha. So oh, I, cool. I know the Midwest, uh, I know faith in God or and being case, Kansas, Missouri is there. You, you probably grew up with it. I'm assuming you, if you didn't, please yet yeah, tell us, but when yeah. did, when did you lose it? When did it come back? Cause it just sounds like it. And that's what happens. I think to all of us, we lose a little bit. We get caught in the vices, all those temptations out there. We, but we always have a base and that's what it sounds like to me. You had a base at home. You knew what it was. You just kind of felt, got away from it. And then how did it come back in your life? And, and yeah, why did you allow it to come back in your life? Is just just because that's all you had left at the end of your rope, or or was you hearing your dad or mom's voice in the background saying, "Remember, hey, remember the Lord. Remember, faith's going to keep you strong. He's going to keep you right." What t- can you talk a little bit about that before we end up the interview? Yeah, no problem. I, I'd like yeah. to hear a little bit about it, man. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, no. Uh, my mom, my dad was a devout Catholic, you know, from day one. You know, grew up in the whole Catholic, you know, system, Catholic school, and all that stuff. My mom was more. A spiritual side so I had both sides really growing up my dad they didn't force me to go to church all the time you know we'd go on Christmas and you know certain things and funerals or whatnot but I mean it wasn't like we were really strict to go or whatever but just really what I noticed was you know I've always kind of I've related relied on a higher power my whole life with this music thing. I mean, dude, I was living on people's couches, living above my dad's factories, practices in places that you needed a tetanus shot to go into. (laughs) My whole life, I kind of actually had some sort of faith. But then when I moved to California and this whole thing started happening, I started to notice myself change to where I could see myself maybe going down a darker path. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I would say drugs insinuated that whole thing alcohol and all that stuff and then man there's a lot of crazy women that can fuck up your head dude and, <laughs> i mean bro, i'm laughing because bro i just i've been i mean i i understand it, isn't that the crazy they are this just the nut 
there are just the nutbags out there that just want <laughs> oh, to put their claws into you. I and but whose 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 fault is that? The idiot that yeah, allows it to happen. Yeah, exactly. I allowed, I allowed it to happen. You know, that's I, the thing is, you know, it, I got to take the ownership of that because, yes. you know, that's what, but that's the kind of thing that kind of people need to look at is that that's what kind of drugs and alcohol and, and uh, drug abuse and stuff kind of led me into those screwed up relationships. And it doesn't always have to be, you know, with a woman, it can be with friends, musicians, musicians yeah, yeah. like to stab themselves in the back more than some bitches out there, you know? Yeah, it's just yeah. like, sorry about my language. No, no, you can say whatever you want <laughs> Come here, on, man. I said we're, fuck we're shit, bitch. We're as uncensored as it gets, man. <laughs> so, you know what I'm wondering, man? What have, uh, what have you currently been listening to? Uh, I've been listening to a lot of stuff, but you know what's weird is I've, you know, this will freak you guys out. So I've been listening to a lot of stuff, like YouTube has those relaxation, kind of meditation music yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I've been listening to a lot of that, dude, before I go work on songs, my own riff, because I don't like to listen to too much of other people's stuff while I'm working on songs because I, I don't want to copy it because sometimes you'll sure. copy it, and not realize you copy it until it's done. And you're like, oh, this is, oh, you know, <laughs> oh, this is Elton oh, John. What the hell? It's the same chord changes. It's Piano Man. You know? <laughs> Which is Billy Joel. Sorry. But, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we, we got, we got just Don't worry about it. I screw up. I'll, I don't even, I say the wrong names. Wrong. What did I say? Like, homeopathic, homeostasis. I, I get things wrong all yeah, the time. Yeah, I do that too, man. D don't worry. Well, I, yeah, that's, I, I listen to you and hearing you. And, and I know it's maybe a little unorthodox in <laughs> interview because i'm not a professional interviewer and i don't want to be i just want to ask questions that i want to know and if people don't want to know those things well they can go to another podcast i don't know yeah, no, <laughs> yeah no, but, no doubt dude no, that, but yeah no this is what makes this thing cool this is the future of entertainment here because it's real we can yeah. all talk like men we can all discuss things you know i've been getting into a lot of podcasts for the last three or four years you know it started you know kind of with joe rogan and all that stuff and sure. watching that and and then now it's this is the new media right here. What we're doing, talking like humans, I think it's the new media. I think it's cool. And congratulations to you guys. I mean, it's awesome. Oh, amen, brother. We've been saying that since the get go. That's why I don't I don't do the mainstream media anymore. And it gets yeah. manipulated, and and my words get skewed one way, or the questions get screwed in. And when I do say what I want to say, the Secret Service comes to my house, knocks on my door, and says, "Hey, <laughs> did you really mean that?" Okay. Yes, I did, but come on, guys. Come on, Chuck. I don't even know the guys. Come on, Chuck. You know better than that. So uh, I, I totally agree with you. And hearing you, and to me, now finding out more about you that I didn't know, the Marine, the Marine background, the yeah. dad is a Marine, you know, you're, you're even cooler. And that was hard to do because you were cool before. Now you're even fucking cooler. That's, That's awesome. awesome. Thank you, brother. <laughs> of Thank course. you, brother. <laughs> Course. Thanks, man. No, this was great. Um, you know what? We'll we'll end when we uh, wrap up the show with a song from Cooker. If you want to send one to me, yeah, uh, please, what, what, please what do. What song should we should we wrap up with? Your your choice. I mean, it's your project. Um, yeah, I would say choke up. Choke up's a good one. Uh, it's on. I think it's on YouTube. It's our our page or whatever. If you want to pull it up. Choke okay, up. cool. Well, I'm gonna edit it and post. So yeah, if you okay. could send me over the MP3, that's okay, what we'll wrap cool. up with. Choke up from Cooker um facebook.com slash against all will jimmy facebook.com slash against all will anything else that you're plugging that i uh, should throw in there and, and oh, please you got do, the against all against all will uh instagram we got jimmy allen songwriter instagram that's the one i've been kind of using you know for a while so and then also i think cooker heads is on uh instagram too it's cooker heads 
Okay, Cookerheads yeah. on Instagram. Hey, yeah. uh, you know what I'm thinking? Since you picked up the guitar, you want to uh, you want to play uh, a riff to exit this interview? Because exit that was, a riff, that was dude. Too cool. I gotta ask, man. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. We got riffs all day, buddy. <laughs> we got riffs all day here. I was just working on some new stuff down here. <laughs> Yeah. Oh yeah. My okay. God. That's badass, dude. You, if if you're, all your all's necks weren't out there going back and forth when he was coming towards the end of that riff, you're lying. Because mine was. Mine's just damn. I'm just air guitaring it right now while he's playing. That was sweet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, dude. Fuck, you're you're kicking it. You're killing it. And uh, dude, it's an honor again. And 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 do understand, brother, your music and the stuff you wrote, it 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 resonated and it was listened to overseas by all of us constantly. And honestly, I'm choking up a little bit because I remember where I was at times after a full day of, holy shit, I can't believe I made it out of all that. And then putting the music on and just, and just, just, just relaxing and just going, damn, I, I got out of it. But then having to get ready for the next day. But so brother, it means the world to me to have you on the show. And, and uh, it's an honor and, and thanks for your faith. And thanks for, you know, thanks for just thanks for being a supporter of my, me and the team, brother. That means a lot to us too, man. God bless you. Yeah, that's thanks. that's awesome. Thanks, man. This has been the best show I've had, dude. Seriously, oh. thank you so much for your service. And yeah, every time you crank drift and die, dude, tell all your buddies, man. It's for you guys, man. I will. I will. I'm gonna definitely do that. That you got. I'm gonna be playing it right now when I go for a run at the end of here. So it's, it's on my workout playlist. So it's it'll come on definitely. Killer, dude. God bless you guys. It has been a great show, man. I loved it. Man, how cool is he? Dude, he's awesome. Those are you think about it, and you just I think about the the times I was a private, or you know, when you go to Iraq and you got these songs, and and these are songs like that he wrote, puddle of mud that he wrote that you listened to, and they mean they meant they just weren't songs. They they you you were in a specific spot or at a specific time. You had just either been through trauma or you'd been away from home for you for you know months at a time, and this is the stuff that got you through it when you were deployed. This is what got you. Through it. This is the music that did it. And you know, people now, you know, the, the new guys now, they have a different set set of music to listen to. But when I was in, when I was deploying, you know, yeah, we had Five Finger Death Punch, we had Slipknot, I loved all that. But also at Range Battalion, we had Rage Against the Machine, we had Puddle of Mud, you know, you had Nirvana, and that was the stuff I first grew up on before i went in and it was stuff i stayed with and and that those songs that that puddle of mud did that jimmy wrote i mean i i still i, I listen to them and i remember where i was at i and that's that's what it means to to me to listen i i hope musicians you know we talked about football nfl players you know i hope we were, that's what we're talking about is that it's not what they're playing out there it's where we were at and what we were we remember doing watching them play not watching them play at the moment but hey what the memories are being back it's the same thing with musicians the memories that you have when you listen to the music that they play and those are the memories i have and so having jimmy on talking to him and realize he's just a cool dude having a marine as a dad so it even feels more relatable now it his music means even more and it makes it the the visuals every stronger of my memories of listening to drift and die i mean drift and die and blurry are still iconic man they're still on my workout playlist 
best songs. And they still get played. I think mean, get played on classic rock, but they still get played on Octane too. Every once in a while. Yeah. And also, uh, Turbo. what's the other one? Turbo. Yeah, they get played on Turbo actually quite a bit. And, yeah. No, so, I mean, such memorable songs, man. And then him playing those riffs, dude. Oh, those dude, sounded that amazing. Was awesome. And and also. Him, uh, him voluntarily saying he'll do a theme song. What do you think? Should we change it now? I mean, if Jimmy Allen does a custom song for us, I feel like no, we kind of have no, to. No, we, we'll, we'll get in a, we'll, we'll get, we'll get in a, okay, Jinx, what, let's see if you can one-up it. We, <laughs> I mean, no, yeah, I, it, no, it wasn't I, made for us, you know what I mean? To have a song no, I, made for us by, by Jimmy Allen, who's an award-winning songwriter. I think that's pretty damn cool. Ian, if 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 you say no to that, I'm gonna come into Long Island. I'm gonna kick you square in your balls. I will kick you so hard you're gonna feel it in your taint. So and yeah, you, that's there by it. By the way, you can tell he's still writing killer stuff because those oh, riffs yeah. at the end. When he first picked up the guitar, it's like, oh, that's cool. And then when I asked him to pick it up the second time, whatever riff he played there, I was like, this guy's got riffs for days, man. This no, is he, you know when you have that guy. It. Yeah, who could pick up the guitar and just like riff after riff, all original stuff. I I think yeah, if he if he follows up with that and does theme music for us, that would be great, man. And and he genuinely is a fan of what we're doing. Everything we post, I always notice Jimmy likes. And um, like I say, it's just funny, man. I never thought it would be that connection because me wanting to do a documentary on Puddle of Mud, which was the original idea of of how I met up with him. Uh, it was something completely different than what I've been doing with you or what I was doing with Jack Murphy. And it's just crazy that sometimes you cross those paths. And I had no idea until he said, oh, you're doing a podcast with Tonto. Love that guy. <laughs> that's so, awesome. Yeah. Right, and that's, that's what's so cool. And that's what people don't realize is that we're all in all this divisive. Oh, well, they're in this genre. So they obviously the stereotypes got to fit or in this genre. Obviously, the stereotypes got to fit. It, it's bullshit. It doesn't work like that. Yes, yeah, stereotypes sometimes do work, and sometimes they're self-inflicted stereotypes where because you're in that group, you have to feel like you have to act a certain way. Because I'm a 2A supporter, because I'm a member of the NRA, do you think I agree with the NRA? Fuck no, I don't. Do you think I'm a fit like the vet bro community? No. People that know me know I don't. Do I support them? Yeah. But that's not me. And people that know me know that's not me. That's I'm just me. And we yeah. can always cross and cut cross lines and there shouldn't even be fucking lines. Why well, even say that we can always come together. And if we have a disagreement, yes, some of the disagreements are going to get heated. You don't like each other because of something. I, hey, brother, Barack Obama, Barack Obama, I don't care for him. Well, because he called what happened to what happened to me a conspiracy. I saw my buddies die. There's a difference there. Doesn't mean because he's a Democrat or liberal. I just, I just don't care for the guy. And if we lose listeners because of that, so be it. But it doesn't mean it's, it has nothing to do with because he's a Democrat or a liberal has to do with, I was in an incident where my friends died and he tried to cover it up. And then he called me a liar. You call me a liar, Ian, me and you aren't going to be friends. <laughs> Go kiss my ass. So, well, um, yeah, no, no. I, and, and people have heard uh, episodes where you and I have gone back and forth yeah. on some things. And I think just part of being, yeah, being a grown up man is, is not to say, Oh, we're on a different team now or something, because you and I definitely see eye to eye, I think on 90% of stuff. And then there's another 10% where I'm like, Chris sounds out of his mind sometimes, but and, yeah, that's, that's the same thing. and that's okay. <laughs> and, yeah. You know, we've, we've said it before, man, but like for people who to do constantly watch the media, you got to keep in mind, like, um, I saw that the comedian Tim Dillon wrote it and I sent it to you and it's really true. Like a lot of the people that you see on TV, whether they're pro Trump or pro Biden, 
they're really paid shows for like a, a super yeah. pack. They're not even giving you their opinion. Yeah. And then there's the people who are the wannabe paid shows that yeah. aren't even getting paid by a super pack, but they're like, maybe if I kiss this guy's ass enough, he'll retweet something that I wrote. Yeah. You know, like that's a lot of, of what this is, is, uh, you know, people put out a book and, oh, Mr. President, I love you so much. Please retweet. And if he does, you know, it'll sell books. And I think uh, people like the refreshing honesty, just like Jimmy Allen saying, you know, he listens to Joe Rogan. I think whether people are a fan of Rogan or not, which I know you're not the biggest fan of. But oh, no, I think, I, I, I'm, I'm not. But but people like that. I mean, it's, he's a but bad I think guy. The reason like people like Rogan is because he is genuine. He yeah, has said yeah, things yeah. praising Bernie Sanders at times. And then he said things that are very conservative, He's very pro-gun. And I think people know when you watch uh, Joe Rogan, you're getting Joe Rogan's actual opinion. He is not on there to, you know, uh, work for some candidate or work for some super PAC. And I think people are gravitating towards us for the same reason. Um, oh, we're going to oh, be oh. genuine. We're going to be honest. And and uh, also the I didn't really know the direction of the podcast when we first started. And neither did you. No, we didn't. Remember, we had that question. We couldn't answer it. Remember that question yeah. we had on Facebook? Like, I don't know yet. Yeah. And we um, might I might even move it out of the government category. But I kind of like I think a lot of our um, listeners discover us there. But. I mean, it's really become more of like a motivational, inspirational faith podcast, I'd say, than, than what I was previously doing, for sure. Well, and I, I like it. I agree, brother. I, I agree. I think I, I wouldn't have any problem you doing that. That's why when I asked you the 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 uh, what's the, the categories, I, like faith, that's me. And honestly, the books that I've written, they go into the military or U.S. history. I'll be honest. I tell Hashiette, I'm like, dude. These books should be faith-based books. They should be motivational books. They shouldn't be in the Benghazi. Because I said the two of them, the Ranger Way and the Patriots Creed, don't even talk about Benghazi. They talk, they, I refer back to incidents, but I don't get into it. We're talking about how to overcome adversity with faith, with failure. I said, so they should be over here. I, I agree. I think the same way. But again, you, I always leave it up to you, and this is how you should. Any good person, if you don't know as much about an uh, organization or an occupation or profession as much as your peer does, which Ian is, I'm not going to tell you where to put the category because you do this for a living. I don't. So I'm going to trust your decision. Yeah, so, you. I, I mean, I think you might be uh, correct, you know, because even when we do talk about um, it's it's weird to say government because the government category, but even when we talk about the military and, you know, we speak with Jim West about being a Green Beret in the earlier yeah. days. It still always goes back to some form of motivation and inspiration motivation. and overcoming yep. obstacles. Yep. And I, I think that's way more the focal point. I mean, I think, for example, what Jack Murphy's doing right now with Dave Park, the team house, is more of um, honestly what I was doing with Safrep is more more so interviewing guys about military history, which is great. I mean, I just saw his uh, his interview with uh, Sergeant Major Mike Vine and got like 50,000 views. So he, he's killing it. But that's great. Uh, but yeah, what we're doing, I do think is a little bit different because I think you and I connect more on the on the motivational level, especially now, because I think every podcast right now and everything you watch in the news is related to the chaos going on one way or the other, whether they're on on. Yeah. Um, you know, the Trump side or or Biden or, you know, I, I even I, I keep up with everything. So, like, I see what uh, your your brother, uh, John Tigan, is is doing and all that stuff. But I think what we're doing is just a little different because in these times, people are very depressed. There's people losing their their jobs, losing their ability to make money. We're losing our freedoms for sure. Whether we um, 
you know, can go back and forth and the justification of some of it. I mean, I said it on the Hank Strange episode, like we're no doubt losing freedoms. We lost freedoms after 9-11. We're going to lose freedoms now. So I think um, finding a way to navigate through what we're going through and overcoming obstacles is, is really what people need to hear now more than ever. Well, and that's that's where we should be. Right? Everything's divisive. And believe me, I have my anger moments where I am. I, I have to catch it. I'm like, gosh, I'm kind of being divisive right now. I, I don't want to do that. But as as a motivational speaker now and as a person that was part of that was part of a side. And I did, along with the team, whether John and, and Oz want to admit it or not, we did cause a lot of divisiveness in the country with what happened. Now, granted, we needed to tell the truth. We did. I, I believe honestly believe that. And I don't think we handled it wrong. We didn't handle it in the wrong way. It was necessary for even our own protection from government people that were coming after us. Uh that to have to have have people identify what was going on and have a base following a huge base following that that backed us, you know, because if we didn't, I, I do honestly believe we would have we would have had the government come after us even harder. Granted, we did things correctly with the lawyers and we had tried to do everything the right way. But that being said, you know, I, I don't want to cause that divisiveness anymore. It, it, we did what was necessary to do to get the truth out. We did it. We did it. It needed to come out. People know we I do believe we did honor. And I still honored Roan and Bub and Ambassador Stevens and Sean Smith, and I will continue to do that because those guys are the real heroes, and they they need to get what the presidential highest civil highest medal a civilian can get for bravery by the president of the United States. Why they haven't got it yet, I have no idea. That's a failure of Trump, and that pisses me off. And I'll say that right out loud. That pisses me off. They should have got it a long time. Well, you got Rush Limbaugh getting that award. What the fuck, dude? Yeah. Roan and Roan and Bub and Ambassador Stevens, Sean Smith should have got it years ago. But that being said, going that route, you know, we we need to show when I do the speaking, and I try to tie Benghazi into motivation, overcoming obstacles and my failures in the military, even prior to Benghazi. That was where I was seeing we were lacking. And I was part of that lacking. I was part of that contributing to that lacking, that that lacking the, hey, man, we can we can find positive out of this. What did I do to get to this point? Well, I failed eight million freaking times. I've screwed up. I've drank too much. I've divorced my wife. I, I, I you know, I've, I've been divorced. I, I committed. I had an affair. I, I, then I slept with women. Then I did. And I did try. It's like, but after all of it all, I still focused back on faith. Still focused back on God and came back to God when all of it crushed me to my knees. I came back to God and said, I, I need your help. And he reset me. He said, here, get rid of all this, get rid of all this and get your shit in order. This is the path you are or you can still go down this path and you can die at an early age or you can do this path and fix your fucking self or unfuck yourself if you're a seal or a ranger <laughs> you get that? and and move on. And yeah. that's the thing we are. And that's what people need to hear. I believe that people need to hear it because every one of you and what I love about two Ian is that we just don't have veterans on though. We have people that aren't veterans that still have those same stories that they've failed, fallen, got back up and continue to drive on and has still and have come and still are successful within their own lives with whatever they want to deem success is, which is success is different for everybody. It should be measured differently for everybody for what you think is successful. But every one of them has had faith and has have pushed themselves with hard work and have overcome adversity, brother. And politics be damned. They just they don't talk about it on the show, which is great. I don't I don't want to hear about your damn politics on the show. Go be on. Yeah. Go be on somebody else's show. 
Yeah, we should. We sung, I mean, I think we get into it a little bit, but yeah, I, I agree. It's just, it's never been the focal point of the show. And it's kind of cool how it wasn't planned. We didn't have like yeah. that much of a plan for what the podcast was going to get into. And it just ended up becoming the connecting theme. So I, I like it. I think we probably should be in the faith category. Maybe the reason I wasn't is because like, it's uh, when I think of faith, I guess, in like a category, I think of like a traditional Christian Joel sure. Osteen type sure. podcast, which is not what we are. But we do definitely talk about inspiration, overcoming obstacles, self-improvement and and faith. So, yeah, I'll probably uh, end up moving things around. I know like Christoph Lewis is in the, um, I think, self-improvement or motivation category. One of those. Yeah, he, he does a great job, too. He's got good, he does, good man. Tremendous, then, tremendous individual. Yeah, we got a lot of listens on that one. So, um, yeah, uh, last thing I'm going to mention is check out our shirts. I've been wearing them all the time. Uh, Tonto, Tonto Dash Apparel dot myshopify.com. You'll see those under the Battle Line Tactical um, tab on there. Tonto Dash Apparel dot myshopify.com. They're great shirts, high quality, great design. Um, send us any of your emails, your questions, or comments. Battlelinepodcast at gmail dot com. Uh, yeah, I'm excited for these next few shows. Definitely, uh, since you're hearing this on Friday, enjoy your Memorial Day weekend, guys. Uh, go to the beach if uh, you got one around you. Uh, if you're in New York City, you can come here to Long Island or Jersey or something because those will be open. You guys are the only ones uh, out of uh, a beach right now. Uh, yeah, and and enjoy your burgers, hot dogs, beers, all that good stuff. Anything and and remember our heroes. I mean, I have to mention, of course. Yeah, I do guys, and you know, if you're a civilian out there. You know, say happy Memorial Day. Say thanks. You know, thanks for your service. If you want a good way to say where you don't, again, going back to full circle, you don't piss off that grouchy old veteran out there. Just say <laughs> thanks for your service. But if you are a veteran out there, you're a grouchy old veteran, you're just looking just to nitpick on shit. If it's happy Memorial Day, don't get all bent out of shape. What they're saying is thanks for your service. Go have a burger. Enjoy yourself. And and a hot dog. Have a beer if you can. Don't have too many of them. Don't go down that rabbit hole. Stay away from the Mickey's Big Mouse and the St. Ives and Old English. Forty ounce, forty ounce Old English is does not constitute one beer, guys. That doesn't. And um, no, God bless y'all. And again, yeah, I appreciate all the listeners out there. Ian does as well, and appreciate you guys listening to us ramble. And again, appreciate Jimmy Allen, and and have being on. I. To me, I, I love asking questions. I just want to know because I don't know the answers, too. That's why it's so unscripted. I'm just asking questions that I want to know about him. And hopefully you guys, too, because that's so cool. I didn't know he was, his dad was a Marine and and he, he builds ARs. I know, I know I, Jimmy I Allen that, builds ARs. Sure. That's so awesome. I just know Jimmy Allen, the songwriter, man. Yeah. Are you you have any uh, any big plans for uh, Memorial no, Day? No, no. I'll be, I'll be here. I, you know, I'll be actually pro- I'll be driving home from my Chicago course. I have the oh, Chicago. Uh, yeah, that uh, Battle Line Tactical Chicago course this weekend. It's sold out. So uh, I think we got 25 or 26 people. Granted, and for those of you, know, I do have three other instructors. So I don't, 25 people is too much for just me. You're not going to get any teaching out of it. But Ben Morgan and then Benny Glossop, the professor Benny comes and we all round robin. If you haven't been to a battle line tactical course, guys, we have a blast. We have so much fun. It's so unintimidating. And we push you through it. So when you get done for the day, it is, it's it's a whirlwind because it gives you a lot of information. But you really feel like you accomplished or at least you did something. And then at the end of the training, when you're going home, um, at the end of the two days or one or whatever it is, that's when things start to sink in. 
And uh, but the bottom line is, is that is we, we we're fun. We have fun. And if you've watched the movie 13 Hours and you come meet me, I am that guy. That's the funny. I always get that. You're exactly like that guy in the movie. Well, yeah, because that's me. <laughs> that's me. and to Pablo Schreiber out there. Actually, I just talked to Pablo a couple of days ago. Pablo, you're always welcome. Yeah, um, we got to get him on. We got to get the, Benny Glossop and Ben Morgan on. And Ben Morgan so on. We, yeah, we'll, we'll get on. We'll get him. We'll get him. We'll get I, him. You know what I was wondering with Memorial Day? Um, our because I don't even know. Are restaurants open there now? What's what's going on? I think we're still. I don't know. There were phases, brother. You have to help me. I don't really. Again, I don't pay attention to it. I all. don't know Nebraska. I, I know New York. I mean, we're gonna. You know, but I, I'm just wondering, could you sit down in a restaurant? I, I think, social I, think distance? I think there's some opening. Um. Uh, the social distancing, I think that, I hate to say it, man, there's, that's always going to be for, I don't know how much, if, if, if some governors have their way, it's going to be like that forever. Um, which yeah, to me, that's just common, but to be honest, Ian, that's just common courtesy. That's just to me, I never social distancing. I always stayed that distance away from people. I hate people coming up right. Yeah, up next no, I to get me. that. But, uh, but what, you're what right, is going to be, uh, what's going to be bad though, you know, and this isn't even to get into all of it, but it's just. Uh, there's a lot of restaurants. I mean, look, yeah, let's no, look at a place like uh, there. It's not there anymore, but let's look at a place like Amit O'Looney's right in Times Square. They make all that money when the place is packed. It's packed. Shoulder, yeah. shoulder with people like at your book signing. And there's that's not social distancing. And if you have to be socially distanced at a place like that, all of those places are going to go out of business. So I, my worry is is that across the country, what is it going to be, man? Is it going to be Applebee's and Chili's and, you know, all these big companies that could be bailed out and that's it. And every <laughs> small business owner is going to go out of business. Like these are, these are some really tough questions. Well, that's, and that's where the politicians and the medical, they need to figure, they, they need not to figure out a vaccine. There's a vaccine out there. They figure out whether they want to use it or not. There is I, other countries are using it. We'll, but yeah, we'll get into that. Maybe we'll talk about that next episode. I don't want to get into it now, but you're right. They, that's going to be the detriment and a lot of these these state and local politicians i think a lot of it's a power trip for them or they're scared themselves and they and i've seen what happens when leaders are in charge and they freak out and they get scared they can't make good decisions i saw that with bob our chief you he, he got scared he panicked and he he couldn't make a decision so we made the decision for him and uh, brother I, I they they need to realize they're going to be killing these businesses, which is not going to be good for anything. And yeah, I, is it was it worth it? And I agree, bro. I, I totally no, agree. I, I think it's wrong. I think guys like Emin and they're they're going to lose their, their stuff, man. It's terrible. We we need to figure that that's not the right answer. But I'm not in charge. I think so. so yeah, I mean, I could see here. So in New York, you know, there, there's stuff Cuomo's done that I don't like. Stuff that he's done that that I, that I think has been good. There's at least a plan, you know, of, of these phases of reopening, which I get. De Blasio, on the other hand, is is you know he he is a guy who power trips, who's saying, yeah. oh you know New York, Cuomo has already said the beaches are going to be open, but De Blasio's to flex his muscle and say, well not in New York City, we're not going to open the beaches, even though where I live has more cases than New York City, um yeah. we, we have the third most cases in the country where I live, Castle yeah. County, yeah. um and then California on the other hand. They're like, we're not going to open until what, August? And they don't have nearly the cases we do. So when yeah. I do see that, it's like I, California, I think, is out of control. I have no problem saying that because they they yeah. they don't even have the problem we yeah. have. Yeah, and yet close. they're they're trying to make it worse there than it is here. I don't that I don't understand. But well, that, that's why we have a democracy, right? Vote their asses out. Now, you know, true colors came out. Now, you know, and if you still vote them back in. You reap what you sell. You get what you paid for. That's what that's what you get. That's why, hey, 
but in Nebraska, um, our mayor, I don't like her at all. I think she's tremendously power hungry, and and I don't. I think she's even repul- I don't. I don't give a shit what 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 political party she's with. I think she's terrible, and I think she she did try to make some of those. Oh, we're gonna lock it down. Like mayor, we got ninety cases, dude. <laughs> what's what's? I mean, now I think we've got a, You know, what are we? One hundred twenty deaths or something? And and I don't even know if all those are COVID related, really. Yeah, we don't know. But 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 we got a, but Governor Ricketts. Um, he was going down that path, and I'll be honest, I see Governor Ricketts now, I think he's trying to change that up and open things back up as quickly as possible, because I do think he sees ramifications of, of the economy. And in small towns like Nebraska has, you're going to put whole towns out of business, dude, and he yeah. sees that. And now I, I probably agree. There's there's got to be a plan. I think we might be on. What is it? Is there three? Help me out, bro. Three phases. Yeah, I think there's like three it? or four phases. I, I'm I know, just curious. I, I was I know curious we're because one. Yeah, I yeah, know I, we're definitely phase one. I, I know do exactly. know, you know, in um, certain parts of the country right now, pretty much everything is open. Everything is back to normal. And hopefully there is not an explosion of cases because then that'll be a good sign for the rest of the country. Um, what, what By the way, I'm just uh, as we wrap things up here, man, I'm just curious. The big thing, if you're in New York, Memorial Day is going to the beach. If you're on Long Island, especially, what is like the big thing in Nebraska for Memorial Day weekend? Well, usually right around this time of year, you got college baseball. So we didn't have, we wouldn't have the College World Series, but college baseball's big here. And then we have a great. Uh, I wish they were playing. It's one of the funnest places to go. We have a minor league team here called the Storm Chasers. It used to be a farm team for the KC Royals, but it's a baseball field that looks like Field of Dreams, man. It's like nice. out in the middle of the cornfields. And you know, for minor league baseball, it's it costs you nothing to get in but the stadium is beautiful there's a little baseball area in the back where the kids go and play baseball and then there's a playground so there you can do that a lot of barbecuing though you know barbecue in midwest it's huge beef this is beef capital of the world so barbecuing and a lot of family stuff because of the midwest you, you think of the typical midwest mentality midwest americana that that is on memorial day and big veteran supporters but Definitely, if the Storm Chasers were open, we'd probably go to a Storm Chaser game. It's fun. It is. It, it reminds you of real baseball. And, and as much as all the sports, I think you may feel the same as I do. Out of all the sports out there, baseball, to me, is still the most Americana sport and sport yeah. that I just like. You can just go sit and enjoy a day. It's it's beautiful. And the parks and the coliseums and the green. And it's just it's it's just it's so it's so beautiful, man. Baseball. Is, and that's I do miss baseball. I, that was my favorite sport to play too. Even though I got a football scholarship, I my favorite sport was baseball because it, you're just you're. It's like it is like Kevin Costner and Field of Dreams you're out there, just just beautiful blue skies, hot dogs. You can smell them. You, you know, if you want to drink a Jack Daniels, you can have a drink and still enjoy the day. There's not not a lot of fisticuffs and stuff stuff you would find at a basketball game or a football <laughs> game. Eagles, as we were talking about, unless you're a Phillies, yeah. right? Unless you're. <laughs> <laughs> But but yeah, bro, just just uh, barbecuing and and family time and and um, that's what most people will be doing. And that's but that's pretty much normal for Nebraska anyway. Just we're just missing the storm chasers, which I I wish they were open because that that is fun and that's fun. It, it'll be back, man. I'm I'm, yeah. I'm keeping the faith that it will. Um, I really enjoyed this episode. I mean, you guys can't see it, but you could probably hear it. Jimmy Allen had a smile on his face the whole time He's we were awesome. interviewing him. He really enjoyed it. And like, I, I love having guys who enjoy coming on the show and, you know, are genuine like that. So uh, check him out once again. And uh, yeah, we're uh, unless you have anything else, man, we're going to 
No, when you talk to to Dave, can you tell him? Can he do a drum solo then? Oh, that'll Jimmy's be got, jacked. Dave, can Dave, for those who don't know, Dave Silvera, corn <laughs> drummer, original. If you watch all the beginning, he was, dude, he was, uh, he was corn. The dude was corn. So definitely, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. So no, we'll, we'll see. But uh, yeah, no, Jimmy Allen, so, great uh, honor having him on, and and really enjoyed it. So we're gonna end this show then. Yep, that's it. Uh, Cooker, choke up. Check it out, uh, and we'll we'll put all the links on the show. But this is it, man. Cooker, choke up. Thanks again for coming on, Jimmy Allen, and thanks to you guys for checking the show out. If you enjoy it, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Please do. God bless you all out there. Have a great Memorial Day. Thank you for your service, veterans out there. And just so you don't get butt hurt, so you don't get angry, I'm going to say it. Happy Memorial Day, but I know it's not happy, but I'm saying it because you're going to hear it. So get <laughs> over it. I mean, thank you for your service. Remember your lost buddies and have a good Memorial Day. Have a burger, have a beer and be blessed that you're with your families. Is there a way to forget the world? Living on a broken promise. Now I know the truth of what has actually happened. Was it real just fake?
That's all for this episode of Battleline Podcast. But we have new shows up every Monday and Friday, so make sure you're subscribed. And keep up with the show 24-7 on Facebook and Instagram at Battleline Podcast. Also on Twitter at Battleline Pod. As always, never quit. Yeah.